Welcome back inside the secret Gibby headquarters for another edition of Gibby's Football Podcast. I am your host, Zach Begibbon. We are back for another week of NFL football, breaking down what happened in the last week, previewing what's going to come for next week, and to help me guide me through week two of the NFL season. A returning guest from last season, a little bit different for him in terms of our recording schedule. Usually we're recording in the morning. But now we're recording at 8.32 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is Mike Sarkeesian. Mike, always good to chat with you, buddy. How are you doing today? It's, uh, doing great, bud. It's great to be back. Uh, miss talking football with you. That's all. And, and I know it's hard to believe, but we are not the Kelsey brothers. Okay? <laughs> yes. so yeah, we both have beards. Before anyone thinks they're watch, they're listening to New Heights, it's yeah. – football podcast. That's Just right. To get that out there. That's right. Uh, you know, I which one of us would be the Jason Kelsey and which one of us would be the Travis Kelsey? I don't care which one I am as long as I'm Jason. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so it sounds like sounds like you want to be Jason Kelsey, which you know what? I think that's fair because you are a former offensive lineman. Uh you got the beard. I got know. I think I got the beard. I think I got it down. Yeah. Uh, I mean you you know what? You look like a spinning image of Travis, and you're dating Taylor Swift. So, like, you know bad. what? There, there are positives to that. <laughs> uh, there are some positives to that. I could probably get some free tickets to the Eras Tour, which is just dominating the global sphere right now. Um, I that sort of stuff. The Travis Kelsey Taylor <laughs> Swift dating thing uh, just happens to come out when there a new show called Kelsey coming out on Amazon Prime just happened to be you know coming out. I don't know, man. I feel like there's some. Uh, there's is she, uh, she going to make an appearance? That would be interesting. On that, <laughs> like, like the real question would be: so if it does come out that eventually Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are an item, they are a duo. Um, what would she appear on first? Would she appear on New Heights first, or would she appear on the Kelsey Show first? I think it would be the Kelsey Show, but I, like, she, I don't think she would actually be there. I think it would just be more of a, uh, or. Like it would be like Jason like FaceTiming Travis and right. she's there. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. In the background, just as just, a background player. Yeah. Only one of the biggest pop stars of our generation, Taylor Swift. Just in the dating, background of the Zoom call or whatever. Dating probably the greatest or not the greatest, the best uh tight end, at least in this generation. Definitely this of this era. Uh, definitely of this era, I would argue. Some people will say Gronk, and uh, I'm actually kind of surprised uh, as since you are a Patriots fan. You they're, they, in there. they're 1A, 1B. 1A, 1B? I think that's Gronk fair. Gronk being 1A. I think Gronk – well, there, there you go. I was waiting for that. Uh, with Gronk, I think he adds a little bit more of an element to his Just blocking. and more complete. That's, the, yeah. that's literally, I think, when you ask anyone, is the only reason people put Gronk ahead of Kelsey, which is nothing yeah. against Kelsey. Like, I just – Sometimes I say that and people are like, oh, you don't like Kelsey? Like, no. Like, no. Kelsey's a great player, Hall of Famer in my mind so oh, far. easily, easily a Hall of Famer. But he's just more of like the Tony Gonzalez type tight yeah. end over the Gronk. Shannon Sharp. And... Yeah, like he's not like a Jason Witten. He's not like a Gronk. He's not yeah. a uh, – what was that uh, – what was the guy in Pittsburgh? Um, not uh, Firemuth currently, but uh... – uh, He's Miller. Like, oh, yeah, he's Miller. That's right. Yeah, yeah, complete guys. So, yeah. that's all. He's Miller. 
That's a great game. I haven't thought about Heath Miller in a while. Yeah, I love it. Well, uh, speaking of throwbacks, before we get into uh, all that happened week two and going into week three, there are a couple of news items I want to talk about. And uh, again, I feel like I got to have the perfect man here to help me go through these news items. Uh, You were talking about throwbacks earlier. Let's just get this topic out of the way. The Pro Football Hall of Fame announcing its nominees. Uh, for this year, we're not going to go through every one of them. We're not going to go all through 173 nominees and analyze each and every single one of them to see what their Hall of Fame candidacy will be. But we that will might look take at, a while. It might take a, a quite a while, but we will look at the first time, uh, first year eligible players, I should say, um, and some notable names here. Uh, the ones that could sort of stick out, the big names for me, uh, would be Julius Peppers and Antonio Gates of the nine uh, first-year eligible players that are available. Uh, other first-year eligible players, Brandon Marshall, Jordy Nelson, uh, running back Jamal Charles, offensive lineman TJ Lang, uh, Josh Sitton, and Max Unger, and defensive tackle Haloti Nada uh, are just some of the names that have made uh, the ballot, at least this uh, this initial round of, uh, of the nominees for the Hall of Fame. And so... You know, the Hall of Fame, it, it's a, it's something that, you know, you and I, we really like talking about it because it's a good way for us to kind of go back into our, as kids for us, as, you know, we can look back at a Haloti Nada and, and at Julius Peppers and, and reminisce about the great play that they made yeah. on the field. Um, but in terms of uh, the actual Hall of Fame, I know some people say it doesn't matter that much to them. Like they've, uh, but I, I think it's kind of cool to just kind of analyze these players and then you kind of look at the process that they go through in, in terms of uh, which of these players are some of the greatest to ever play this game. Um, of that list of names that have uh, that I kind of listed off there, uh, Mike, is there any one of those that you think could be a first-year uh, first uh, Hall of Famer? Like go in in their, in their first-year yeah. eligibility? I got two, and I think you're going to 100% agree with me on this. Uh, we kind of talked about it right before. Antonio Gates, just a Chargers legend, uh, California legend. Didn't even play college football. Played basketball at Kent State. And him and Philip Rivers, and at the beginning with Drew Brees, yep. just formed this crazy connection that just blew my mind watching that as a kid. And then the second guy, again, I think you're going to agree with me on this, is Julius Peppers. Just yep dominant yeah that's the I, only word that comes to mind yeah when it, whenever i saw julius peppers play especially when he was with uh, carolina he was just mm. uh uh he was one of those key pieces for that carolina team that went to the super bowl um yeah and uh and he continued just be dominant throughout his career even you know i know he had a stint as well with the packers and that kind of goes under the radar, but he was pretty solid for the Packers as well. I think he played for the Bears for for a time period well, as well. See, you're saying that I know him more as a Bear. See, there you go. You know, like when I started watching, he was I it, honestly it could have been like his first or second year in Chicago, and like I remember that's whenever you say Julius Peppers, I see him going in more as a Bear than a Panther. But I know he spent majority of his time in carolina but i only remember it the second time yeah i never saw him uh as a panther like when he first came into the league i right. saw him as a bear i thought him and brian erlacher and lance briggs were such a, a awesome trio mm-hmm. in in the windy city 
Uh, even you add like um, Peanut Tillman, like one of the more underrated corners, I think of all time. I think I can say that. Yeah. Um, that was an awesome defense to watch. Growing, mm-hmm. Like growing up, getting into football, sitting down with my dad and like watching the Bears play. Like we were never Chicago fans, but that defense was something to watch. Yeah. And the Bears have always been built on defense for so mm-hmm. many years, going back to the 85 Bears. And um, yeah, Peppers certainly helped round out that core, as you mentioned, with the Lance Briggs, so Brian Urlacher, Peanut Tillman, the innovator of the Peanut Punch, as the they punch. call it. Uh, that I love was it. so fun to watch. Yeah, he was uh, he was a tremendous yeah. player. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement. I think those two guys, especially Gates, are are players that could go in first ballot. These other guys, like, there's a lot of guys that I see that are Hall of Very Good. Players. I was just gonna say that. I was <laughs> just gonna say that. Um, like we have gone back and forth a lot about the Jamal Charles one. I yeah. remember I think it came up like a few months ago, and I one of us sent the other something about it, and. I was in the converse. I was on the side of this guy's a Hall of Famer. I remember, like, he carried that Chiefs team on his back, like when the Matt Castle era, and then just I think the beginning of the Alex Smith era. Like that was Jamal Charles's team. But looking back at his stats, and like obviously that Chiefs team, you know, when you have to do it all by yourself, the team is probably not going to be that good. You know, so like looking back at his stats, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, maybe in a cut, maybe it'll take a few years. Uh, but like, I, you know, I don't think he'll go in first ballot. No, the, the, the big issue with Jamal Charles is he was just injury prone for much of his career. When he was on the field, he was a very good running back. Yes. Uh, and I don't want to take that away from him, but the problem was he didn't really hit the field that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only, he never had. Uh, in terms of games started, and granted, some of those games, those seasons, I would imagine, are because you know th- some of those Chiefs teams are going to the playoffs, and so you're not going to play the full 16 games. But a lot of 15 games, a couple of 16 games in terms of 16 games played. So yeah. at the end of it all, it's it's like you know there are certainly seasons here where you're like, yep, that's a that's a All Pro running back, oh, yeah. that guy that that. Like and there was just a stretch there with the Chiefs where they just kept getting these really good running backs. Your Larry Johnsons, your Priest yeah. Holmes, uh, Jamal Charles. Now Kareem yeah. Hunt all of a sudden like broke through, and yeah. um, you know, and now it's kind of shifted with Kansas City now. Obviously, with Patrick Mahomes there, and you yeah, know, I don't think Isaiah Pacheco was at the same tier as no. Jamal but Charles. they got a good, they got a good little duo, literally yeah. good little duo with uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire and and Isaiah Pacheco and like Jared McKinnon yeah. also you know, can fill in from time to time. So yeah, uh, exactly. definitely the focus has shifted in Kansas city, but uh, yeah, they were almost a running back factory for a while. Yeah. It just seemed like there'd be a new running back that would come in and it would just, it, it would just help carry this chief squad uh, really yeah. going back to the early two thousands. So. I'm just saying, if you look back at that, that chiefs O line, especially from the early two thousands, like there, I think there were a couple of hall of famers on that O line. Yeah. Maybe a little past their prime at the time, but still damn good to make some pulls for these guys to run. And some of those early Chiefs teams as well, like I believe Dick Vermeil had come back to coach at that point, and yeah, I think and so. Was, I was coaching those teams, and um, Trent Green was the quarterback, and uh, the, they had the the human joystick there uh, returning oh, Dante Dwayne Hall. Dante Hall, um, and so there were some fun teams those those Chiefs teams early on, and. 
Um, mm-hmm. Some guys that kind of flew under the radar on the defensive side of the ball as well. So, um, oh, yeah. and so, you know, there's fu- some, some of those fun Chiefs teams. Uh, another player did kind of want to throw out there a, a player that I think could be a really fun inclusion into the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's going to be first year, but uh, I could see him sneaking in. I think Haloti Nada. Uh, really? Yeah, I really like Haloti Nada. I, I was thought- always a big fan of him. He was a nice, uh, like, he clogged up the middle for that, you know, uh, I think he came, showed up at the Ravens like late two thousands. So like you got obviously Ed Reed roaming the, the backfield. You got Terrell Suggs coming over on the edge. Obviously you will probably have the greatest linebacker to ever play the game. And Ray Lewis yep. managing the middle, having Haloti Nada was just the perfect compliment to those, to those guys. Like we were just talking about peppers with, the Erlacher Bears, like, hold on, you know, I was perfect for the Ray Lewis defense, Ravens, yeah. however you want to say it. Um, yeah, well, the, the only knock on him for me is he didn't do it well. And he just, I think he must have been all pro a couple times, but yep. I don't think he was, an, I don't think he did it enough. I don't think he was uh, all pro enough. I don't think he, had the best seasons like mm. you know like it just kind of he skyrocketed it and then he almost came crashing down almost as fast as he went yeah he was, was he, he was a big boy like and that was a guy that like like uh i think it says here at his peak he was 6'4 340 pounds so See, that's a lot he know? was a big like, boy and he did last uh, quite a while in the league he played from yeah. 2006 to 2018 and played for a couple different teams and um, and he was well, a guy, he was never the focal point of that Ravens defense. And I think that is a fair uh, argument there. Yeah. But that's what made him perfect for that defense. Yeah. So. And, and, and the thing with Nada too is, is that he was just an incredible run stuffer as a defensive oh, tackle. It, like, nose tackle, just, you know, it's easier said than done. But if you get a good DB, a good linebacker, and a good defensive lineman, you got a, you got a good defense. Yep. I know it's easier said than done. You look at the old two Tampa Bay Bucks. You look at the Ravens. Um, just, we were talking about the Bears from the early 2000s. Like, yeah. literally, like, I know it's easier said than done. I'm not saying this is easy to do, but you get, uh, sol- uh, you get a solid DB, whether that's corner or safety. You get a solid linebacker, preferably a middle linebacker, and then you just get a run-stuffing interior lineman. Mm-hmm. You're almost gold you're you're set for the playoffs yeah you're set to make the playoffs whether you go on a run we'll see but you're almost set right. for the playoffs that kind of sounds like uh the cowboys defense the modern day cowboys defense i mean micah parsons at linebacker trayvon diggs at defensive back no no no. it's micah parsons at linebacker micah parsons at linebacker <laughs> well yes it, it, is, it is pretty much micah parsons <laughs> i was gonna throw mozzie smith in there the draft pick uh yeah, Alice, uh, and you know, run stuffing defensive tackle. Hey, we could throw in uh, Neville Gallimore, Ottawa well, boy. Well he, well, he almost did make the team, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that Neville Gallimore, but yeah, uh, hey, he made it. I'm still kind of surprised he did, to be quite he honest. He made the team, man. That's but uh, but yeah, no, that Dallas defense is uh, especially having a guy like Micah Parsons, yeah, <laughs> like uh, if they can find if this what's it, Mozzie Smith, right? Yep, if this guy can turn into at least a pro bowler, mm-hmm. this defense is set for at least like the next five years. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And we'll so, we'll talk about the Cowboys. Don't don't worry. I will wax poetic about the Dallas Cowboys later on. Um, <laughs> but uh, we will get there. But I did. It was funny. You just know when you mentioned like a good linebacker, a good defensive back, and a good nose tackle. I was like, ah, that sounds uh, familiar to me. But uh, we'll we'll debate that a little bit more. But uh, anything else on the Hall of Famers that uh, maybe somebody on the list that uh, has not gotten in the Hall of Fame that you think uh, this year could be their year or um, I don't think he'll ever get in, which is sad to say. Uh, but I, you know, the the knocks on him is the same thing with the knocks on you know a guy like Jamal Charles or maybe Hololi Nada is, is he didn't play long enough, and uh, even when he was playing, he wasn't on the field all the time. But when he was on the field, he made a difference for his team, and he was the reason that they won the Super Bowl in 2006 for the Indianapolis Colts. I'm talking about Bob Sanders. Nice. Bob Sanders. Look, Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning. That's Sheriff. You know, top two quarterback of all time. Uh, Joseph Adai was a great running back for that team. That O-line was solid. Dwight Freeney and and I think Robert Mathis was on that team. Yep. Or maybe – so, like, those two guys – those two guys turned into a great pass rushing duo. And then obviously like, I got to give a little shout out to Adam Vinatieri, just greatest kicker of all time. That team does, that team does not win. That team doesn't make the Super Bowl without Bob Sanders. Yeah. But I just, because he was, I, I don't think he ever played a full season. He didn't play long enough. I don't think he'll ever get in, but he should be in because whenever he was on the field, he made a difference. Yeah. He was the last of a breed of hard-hitting safeties in the NFL. And there are yeah, still a couple, he's, but... He's the forgotten one because he came up... He was in the same era as the Brian Dawkins, the Paula Malus, the Ed Sean Reeds, Taylor. Sean Taylor. Like, he was in that, but because of... He was a quiet, quiet guy and unfortunately got hurt a lot. He just doesn't get the same recognition as those guys did. Which, those guys deserve the recognition, but... He also deserves it, but because he wasn't a loud mouth or yeah. just he, he let his play do the talking yeah. and just uh, not on the field enough. Just just wasn't on the field enough. Yeah. But. I'm just I'm just looking through and it's like there's only two seasons where he played more than ten games. And See? both those seasons he was a pro bowler and an all pro safety. And then the other ones are just four games, five games, six games, two games, one game, two games. Like just yeah, and uh, 2006. How many games did he play in 2006? In 2006, it was four, but in 2007, when he was the defensive player of the year, it was 15. And he was an all pro that year when he Unanimous was on the first team. When he was on the field, he put up the numbers, yeah, but he didn't do it, he didn't do it enough, yeah. So his style, cool. his style just really bogged him down a lot as well. Yeah. Just yeah. being that hard hitting guy, it just took the bumps and. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a great name. I, I love watching old Bob Sanders highlights and yeah, just man. being like, oh, this guy's, if he was well, healthy, what if, yeah. what if the what if question, what Absolutely. if, if he was healthy, just, oh, I think, I think as you mentioned, he would be in that conversation with a Sean Taylor and an Ed Reed and a Brian Dawkins, mm-hmm. Steve Atwater in the nineties, yeah. uh, you know, um, just one of those hard hitting safeties, just you know the Rodney Harrison. Yeah. Uh, those do I guys. do I dare say Darren Sharper? 
I mean, we're hard hitting safety. Yes. Hardest hitting safety in the league. Get him out of my face, though. Like, yeah. I can do without ever seeing that guy. Yeah, not, not in the public sphere, but uh, on the football field. Like, Yeah, when he was on, especially in New Orleans. Yeah. Watch out when you were running a slant or uh, running a post or running a corner across the field. Yeah. Oh. It, it, every and, every pass was a suicide pass. Oh, yeah. With any, any, of the, the any of these guys. Any yeah. of these guys. Yeah. And uh, – uh, a villain on the field and turns out also off the field as well. Uh, yeah, it was uh, not not great. But uh, another oh, – sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, like, what guy do you, would you love to see get in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I'm looking at some of the others. I would love to see Patrick Willis in the Hall of Fame. I know his career was short, but – Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, see, I see a pattern Yeah, with who we want to be in the Hall of Fame. It's the guys that we kind of grew up with. Yeah, that unfortunately just didn't play long enough. Yeah, but we just—it's kind of like a soft spot for us that you know we grew up with. Like, yeah, I remember watching Patrick Willis on that Niners defense. Like, so I get it. Yeah, yeah. Willis like he only played like eight seasons and he retired young. But when he was on the field, oh, he was an incredible linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, if he played a couple more seasons, he's first ballot in my mind. Um. And and just because he's a Dallas Cowboy, uh, I think it's long overdue for Darren Woodson to be in the Hall. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought you were gonna say Tony Romo. Oh God, <laughs> no! I'm oh. not that. I'm not that much of a diehard Cowboys okay. fan. Where um, I go we unreasonable. Might, we might have a little visitor. Oh, uh, my cat has noticed the camera's on. Oh boy! <laughs> so I would like. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, he's slipping. Yeah, I'd like everyone to meet Simba. Hi, Simba. This is my girlfriend's cat. Well, I guess my cat now. There you go. Um, so he's a menace to society. Um, <laughs> he committed a lot of war crimes. Mm. Uh, but he's cute. So it's all good. <laughs> so it makes up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, my God. I forgot the guy's name. What, who did you just say? Darren. Dar- Darren Woodson. Yes. Darren Woodson, 100%. Another guy that is kind of in that. Oh, you're slipping. Okay, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> short, another, short appearance from, from Simba there. <laughs> another guy that um, uh, is in the same category as like what we were just talking about with a Bob Sanders. It's just yeah. like I don't think he – like I don't really remember Dare Woodson. I think that was just before – That was before uh, my time too. Before your time too? Okay. Yeah. Um, so like I just I, – I, I just don't think he played long enough. From If I'm thinking of the right guy. He was he was he was peak. His peak was with the '90s Cowboys Super Bowl teams. Yeah, um, and uh, he was like the go-to defensive back uh, for quite well, a while. He was a Pro Bowler, first team All Pro, uh, yeah. and uh, well, a guy like that definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Especially he got yeah. the rings to, yeah. to go for it, to go with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like, uh, three-time Super Bowl champion. He was on all those three Dallas Cowboys teams. He was a four time first team all pro a five-time pro bowler uh on the cowboys ring of honor um so i guess the thing is that this sometimes happens with these dynasties where uh you know your patriots dynasties or your packers dynasties in the 60s there you don't want to overload uh players from that team uh so like you you have to get your usuals in, like your Troy Aikmans, your Emmett Smiths, your Michael Irvins. Playmaker. You know? Yeah, the playmaker. 
Um, but then you're unfortunately going to omit some players that were also very good, but because they weren't in that same category um, as the other players, yeah. that they may take a while uh, to get in. My favorite one, and like I'm not sure if I really told you this, but like I and I think you, I love like NFL history. Yep. You know, um, Jerry Kramer. You just you just yes. mentioned the guy just got into the Hall of Fame. Like I think within the last five or six years. Yeah, I think it was 2019 he got in. He was the only player at the time of I think the 75th anniversary or the whatever anniversary it was. He was the only player to make that team, the all NFL team, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that wasn't in the Hall of Fame at the time. Yeah. Crazy. And he still didn't get in right away. Yeah. After that. <laughs> you yeah. Would th- you would think that the writers would have seen that and go, <laughs> we probably should get Dre- Jerry Kramer in because guys like Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi, um, oh, my God, I forgot what were the running backs name? Paul Horning, uh, yep. Jim Taylor, like all of those guys were like, we don't have a dynasty without – that old line and especially without Jerry Kramer. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry Kramer was like, I think the, the, the uh, famous uh, Lombardi play uh, with he's that the one, sweep. He's the, he, he's the main guy behind that play. He's the main guy that the, that Jim Taylor and Paul Horning followed. And he is the guy not to, you know, rub some salt in your room, in your wounds a little bit. He was the guy. He won. He was the guy to lead the way for Bart Starr in the ice bowl. Yeah. I knew you were going to bring up the ice bowl. I just had to, you know, yeah. I did, you know, for, for a game that's so cold, you probably bring the heat on me with this uh, ice bowls. Ice in my veins. Yeah. Can I say? There's, yeah. there's two games that I could live without having to see again. It's the ice bowl and the, uh, the Niners catch in 81 in the NFC championship. The Dwight Clark catch. You mean the game that the four-year-old Tom Brady was at? Yes, that's right. <laughs> the amount of times I've had to watch the Dwight Clark catch. And uh, and on hey, repeat, you know whenever they do a rivalry, if game. I can survive the helmet catch. You can survive that. That's all. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but that's multiple. Like even when I was getting into the Cowboys, that Dwight Clark catch was still being shown on repeat. Um, at least your David Tyree catch was uh, more Look, recent. I got. I have to live with the David Tyree catch, the Mario Manningham catch on the sideline, and the Philly yep. special. I have to live and with the Philly special. Yeah, I have to live with all three of those. Well, I always tell people the Philly special was an illegal play. If you look at it. Really? Because, uh, yeah, because Foles was in motion. It was an illegal motion by Foles. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. But there was, a, there was a missed call. Oh, well. That also is me being petty because it's the Eagles and their divisional <laughs> <Yes>. rivals. <laughs> wow. I thought I was going to be the petty one here, but yeah. wow. But, uh, you know, right. it, it sucked to see the Eagles uh, win. But, uh, nonetheless, that was uh, – that Hall was a look talk. at uh, Hall of Fame talk. <laughs> that Hall of Fame talk went a little longer than I expected, but I do enjoy talking football history with you. So. I, I do love football history. Yeah, yeah, so. it's it's great. And, you know, NFL films, they always do a good job. I mean, oh, I always man. joke that they're like propaganda pieces sometimes, but they're very entertaining propaganda pieces. They are. You know? Oh, <laughs> like, I get sucked in. There's yeah. been a few times when, like, I just I put it on and then I realize, oh, it's three hours later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like okay. the most famous one for me is the Raiders one. Is like the autumn wind is a pirate. Oh man, yeah. I could watch that all day. Yeah, all day. So good. Yeah. So good. Um, the other bit of news is wanted to uh, discuss, kind of bring it back into the modern era, and potentially what the future of football could be, at least in the spring. It was reported today by Axios that uh, 
as it could be announced as soon as this week. So maybe when this podcast episode is out, they will have already announced it. But the XFL and the USFL might be merging to create, uh, I guess, a a super spring league of some sort, combining the teams. Um, and uh, they're hoping to get it done before the 2024 season. And, you know, there's always been talk about spring football. Can it work? We've seen a couple of attempts over the past couple of years. I know that uh, back in our CKDJ days, we were talking about uh, Vince McMahon's XFL. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, there was the Alliance of American the Football. The Alliance of American Football. Which was a... Uh, a interesting yeah it was a catastrophic failure um and then the return of the usfl recently um with fox owning it and then the rock buying the xfl after covid and they got through a season and uh, i can tell you as somebody that uh uh, cavante turpin i believe came from the xfl if not the usfl as a uh, as a strong uh, kick returner punt returner type um and so uh yeah, uh, spring football. This has kind of been the topic. Can it work? Is it something that can work? Um, what do you make of the news there, Mike, in terms of the uh, merger between these two leagues? And what do you expect in store? Could we see a 16-team spring league now? Could we see old USFL teams facing off against XFL teams? Like, Could we be seeing the New Jersey Generals take on the Memphis Showboats? All I'll say is, and this is what I've – First thing I thought of, this is the smartest thing these two leagues do. Yeah. The smartest thing. They'll have more than, you know, enough, um, you know, just literally just more than enough money to make it through a season between The Rock and his company and then obviously Fox owning their, the USFL. Like, this is this is the smartest thing that the, these two leagues can do. Um I don't know how they want to start. I don't know if they want to do like kind of what the AFL and the uh, NFL did in like the late 60s where it's just the two leagues do their own thing and then there's like a championship at the middle or uh, they just combine everything, throw everything together and just go have at her. All I want to see is do this for a few years and then the CFL needs to get involved in this somehow. Really? I, I I'm not saying I think the CFL can easily survive on its own, but I'm not sure if you, I mean I know you probably have read this. I don't know if you actually remember this, but obviously I think around the late mid '90s the CFL tried an expansion down south yep. where they did have a team win the, the Great Cup. The Baltimore Stallions did win the Great Cup mm-hmm. one year, um, but obviously I think it barely lasted five seasons. There just wasn't enough attendance. Um, like I said, the CFL can easily survive on its own. They don't need The Rock. They don't need Fox. They don't need that. But I still think it could be a smart thing for the league to do, especially if this new league works. Whatever it's going to be called, whether they want to call it Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Football League, I don't know what they want to call it. <laughs> USXFL. USXFL. Like, I don't know what it's going to be called, but in give it like four years, five years, the CFL needs to – sit down and think like okay i know we have a rich history and you know maybe you do what i said uh or like kind of like the afl and the nfl did where don't combine the leagues but maybe have like a couple exhibition games have a championship for like basically who's better canada or the states you know like Mm -hmm. something like that um but i just think like 
to to grow the league more uh, down south would probably be probably the smartest bet uh, the CFL can do. So I look at it like this. So uh, it's funny you kind of mentioned the CFL because there were talks between the CFL and yep. XFL last year um, that kind of fell through. And it's tough for me because if you're if you're the CFL and you look at what's kind of going on, I would imagine you would also want to adapt your rules to the American rules. So mm-hmm. your four downs and uh, you have your uh, goalposts at the back of the end zone instead of in the end zone and, you know, other stuff like that. And yeah. the rouge would probably go away. So there's a part of me that's an old elitist and a, and, and, believes in the Canadian rules game and that it can be popular and people enjoy it. Um, and where I'm like, man, I don't want to see them get involved with the two startups that are only been around for a couple of years. And uh, I think that having said that with the CFL, I do think they need to find ways to try and garner some attention and, and really try and showcase this Canadian brand. I know with the CFL that they had, um, I think they had some sort of a survey or something where, it came back where uh, it was recommended to go to four downs and, and whatnot. And I, I hear all that, but you know, the, the elitist in me, what what's the, what's the term old school guy. Old, in me, the Canadian that we grew up yeah. with this game. Like we both played football in high school, we both kind of, yep. you know, so like we grew up playing the three downs, we grew up yep. with the roof, grew up with yep. the field goals at the, at the front of the end zone. It was just yep. how we saw football except on Sundays because Sundays was obviously NFL. Um, And like, I do agree with that. I do agree. I do like the CFL rules. It's different. And I do think the CFL way can work down South because it's, because it's three downs, you've got to throw the ball more. Mm You've got to air it out as much as you can. So that's obviously what brings the money. in. I know like there are, I know running backs are obviously a big part and I, I believe they should be paid. I'm just going to say that out loud. Running backs mm-hmm. should be paid with whatever was going on with the guys in, the guys in Indianapolis or yeah. the, the Giants. Like we'll, we'll get into that maybe another time. But yeah. uh, like they deserve to be paid. They're a big part of the team. They're a big part of the game. But CFL, the guys got to air the ball out more because it only t- you only have two tries to get a first down. Right. So that's obviously what people pay money for is to see these long bombs, 50-yard bombs, 40-yard bombs. So mm-hmm. the game could work down south. It's just that they're not used to it. They're used yep. to what you see on Sundays. Yep. And and that would go back to marketing as well. And um, so I would, if I'm the CFL, I'm leaning more towards avoiding all of this and just kind of sticking with your tradition. And really, I if you're the CFL, I'm looking at expansion. I'm looking at trying to get this Schooner stuff done yeah. and out of the way. It's taken way too long and there's just been way too many road bumps to get the Atlantic shooters in there. And I would also, you know, try and find a way to get Quebec city, a team and maybe try and find some smaller cities that uh, can, can host a, a CFL franchise, because I think there's a lot of potential in the CFL game. It's just, there's just not enough teams in my mind. Um, I'll, I'll say this expansion idea, yellow knife, Yukon. I think that would oh, be really, really cool. Part of that. <laughs> it certainly would be cool. That. It certainly yeah. would be cool. I just saw that. I think that would be really cool. <laughs> Randy Ambrosi, if you're listening to this, uh, do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm saying cool in the sense of uh, it would be cold. It would cool. be very cold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, put a team in a Callaway. That could, that could work. <laughs> oh, geez. The Northwest Territories uh, football right. team. Uh, I don't know if that would work as well as you may, as you think it may work, but, uh, but no, like other teams, like, you know, again, Quebec City is, uh, is in my mind. And and again, Atlantic Schooners, I think Halifax is, they need is to right get there. That. Done. done. They always sell, they always sell tickets and there is demand and there's always just something that kind of comes up with the squad. Yeah. Um, for, for years, it's, it's just been a struggle. This has been um, going on since like the late eighties. Yeah. It's, it's, honestly. it's, it's been so something long. Like so I'm not holding my breath that they're going to get this resolved, but, um, but uh, you know, you, you kind of look at that and uh, the potential for other places as well that could potentially host uh, a CFL team. Uh, all that to say, like kind of going back to the merger between the XFL and the USFL, I agree with you. This is a smart move. I think this was inevitable to be quite honest. Uh, yeah. There was no way, there was no way that you could get multiple spring league football, uh, spring football leagues, uh, to work, yeah. yeah, and so I think it was best for both those leagues to come together and 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 merge. The big question for me that I have with spring football now is actually more to do with where is college football going to go, because we've seen it evolve so much with NIL and. Uh, I, you don't have to worry about that. College football is its own monster, its own breed. It can, it has no problem. Right. Like I don't. I honestly, uh, I I honestly don't think it it's even something to really question. It's well, just, my, it's, what I'm I'm not saying in terms of like can it survive? Oh yeah. College well, football can can absolutely survive. It's in fact it's probably at its biggest it's been in, in quite a while now with NIL in there and yeah. sports betting getting legalized in a bunch of states and you know. I look at it more in terms of, you know, with the popularity increasing of college football, and you kind of already have this mindset that this is not NFL football. This is already your lower tier football, but you're still seeing some very good players playing. Um, and you and there's always the talk about conference realignment. We, we're seeing the Pac-12 uh, disintegrate before our very eyes. Now the Pac-4 currently, um, and I think that's going to go down soon. Um, and there's always the talk about conference realignment, television deals, how much is just impacting all of these leagues and uh, all these conferences, I should say. And could they eventually go to a system where uh, they're not uh, bound by the NCAA and they just kind of form their own super league? Um, and like, it sounds far fetched, but you know, we didn't think the PAC 12 was going to explode uh, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, not existing anymore. And, you're seeing all these television contracts going going out, and uh, like, why would these leagues want to be beholden to NCAA? Would when especially the one last thing of power that they had was NIL, uh, and and you know handing out sanctions to teams. If I'm a university, why would I want to stick around under the NCAA rule and just be like, you know what, I'm just gonna have my own little league, and 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 you know you could have your SEC for sure would would try and negotiate with the big 10 and, and, and get a big league going. And, you know, I've, I've seen the theory of you implement the soccer rules or football, European football, uh, where you have relegation, where you have like your, your top tier league and then a second tier league, a third tier league, a fourth tier league, top two, top three, win, they go to the next round, the top, the bottom three, they go to the next league. 
That way you could share with the television money. That could yeah. be such an interesting format for American football. But that's all just a bunch of theoreticals. My point is on this is with the popularity of college football, at the time when I saw spring football coming in, I thought, you know what? There is a need. People want to see more football. And I thought early XFL stuff sort of showed it. But now with college football really rising popularity and more people getting into it and getting on the bandwagon, I'll tell you this. Whenever I do college football stuff, my views and listens go up when I talk about college football more than the NFL. So there's a demand there. There Um, And so uh, all that to say, has that demand now been filled? Like they get their extra football, they get to see the next top players and you can integrate it with the NFL in terms of some of these guys going to that next level and playing, you know, in the NFL. What is the point of a spring football league at this point? Now, obviously we're both big football fans and, you know, we will watch all the football. Like we're, we're going to embrace it. Like, like I will, I will be there at like four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon to watch the Memphis showboats play. You know what I mean? I will be that guy. Oh, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I am, I am that guy that's watching the uh, Colorado versus Colorado state at 12 in the morning in in a pac 12 game, just to see what's going to happen in this rivalry game. And it's one 30 in the morning. Travis Hunter is taking a massive hit, a late hit. Yeah. uh, That, was dirty. You know what I mean? We're we're those kind of football fans. We're the oh, yeah. sick, we're the sick, twisted football fans. They're just gonna watch it whatever time and if it's day. Football, if there's if there's if it's a if there's a football in the air, we will be watching. <laughs> we will be watching. But, but in terms of the actual casual audience, like is there really a need for spring football at this point? That's that's the tough question. And unfortunately the only way you'll find an answer about it is let's see. Yeah. You know that's unfortunately like like, and it seems like The Rock is all in on this. Yeah. You know, so he's willing to literally put his money, his name or whatever, you know, on the yep. line to see if this is going to work. Yep. So it's just, it's, I can't give an answer. Right. Because I could give my answer because, yes, I will watch this. Like, you, <laughs> like you just went, like you just went down a rabbit hole just a little bit ago. We will be watching this. But for yeah. the casual fan, maybe is right. the best answer I could give you. Is maybe. maybe if it's yeah. on, they'll watch it, but they won't put it on themselves, you know? Right. So yeah, it's 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 a we'll we'll wait and see. Right. And that's the, the only answer I could give you. The only franchise I could see really consistently following their team in the spring would be St. Louis and the St. Louis Battlehawks. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's really the only one. Maybe Seattle, but because Seattle is football crazy there, but um, but yeah, otherwise I, I look at them like I'm starting to quit. I used to be one of those guys, spring football, bring it in. Let's fill it. Let's fill a void. I need some football in the spring, but now, and, and granted college football is around the same time as the NFL. Um, but, uh, I do wonder if that, uh, that need has been filled now with college football increasing. And, uh, and, and you mentioned the rock, it wouldn't shock me at all if it comes out next little while before the season during the season or after the season that the rock sells the stake in the xfl for a nice little profit from uh what he made when he purchased it he realized all right got he's like all right i made it bigger than than i needed to and i see the writing on the wall i can cash out i can sell my stake and whatever happens happens but i made my money on it so um that could also be a potential there that could that could very well happen so that's all the news (laughs) we really broke it down we went through everything. Uh, everything. Yeah, I uh, went we way are, more in depth than I thought we would. But this is why I had you on, fans. Mike. 
We are football fans. Yes. Hi. Oh, we love the game. <laughs> we love it. So, yeah, we, we went in-depth on it, and uh, you thought we were in-depth on the news. Uh, just wait until we break down week two of the Ooh. NFL season uh, as uh, I pull up the games here. But uh, it was it was quite the week of, of football. Uh, the script writers <laughs> have been really leaning in. It's It's funny how the NFL has been really leaning in now into the script writer stuff. We saw that commercial recently. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, Keegan was, Michael Key. And I and those were fun. Those were fun little oh, commercials. And, you know what? Like you kind of got you gotta be able to make fun of yourself. For sure. You know, so the NFL is doing that. And uh you know it, it's a, it gets gives me a good laugh. It gives a lot of people a good laugh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so and you know what? Like ever since ever since uh that NFL one hundred commercial, I think I mentioned this to you as well. Ever since that NFL 100 commercial, the NFL has really delivered on their marketing. Uh, oh yeah, just really like they've they've done a really good job of promoting themselves. It's the kind of marketing that I wish the NHL would find a way to latch onto because it's a fun product, but they're so stuck in their ways in terms mm-hmm. of like old school mentality, the same coaches. Um, you know, Connor McDavid should be this like recognizable name uh, to a bunch of people and. Unfortunately, he's just not like Connor McDavid's probably one of the best hockey players to play. Uh, the he game, is, as someone who is also a giant hockey fan, he is the best hockey player in the league, yeah, right now. And he and, and he does not have the same cachet that a Crosby or Ovechkin had when they came into the league. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I, I kind of wish they had that similar marketing where I, uh, yeah, I could definitely see that, and I would definitely love to see that, yeah. So uh, all that to say, uh, let's start off with a Thursday nighter from this past week. Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles looked to have been dominating early and had a little bit of a comeback for the Vikings because it is the Vikings, and they can never just roll over and die. They always have to be – when they lose, it always has to be by one score. <laughs> like, it can just never be easy uh, as a yeah. Vikings fan. Um, but uh, the Eagles were able to – Come back and and uh, I sh- or I sh- should say maintain their lead and and get the victory here and once again Kirk Cousins he lights up the stat sheet 344 yards passing looks like he's this otherworldly QB and uh, four touchdowns I should say sorry 364 yards passing four touchdowns mm-hmm. um, Justin Jefferson has a big game and you know Jalen Hurts wasn't exactly lights out uh, while he was playing no. but he wasn't horrible either. Um, I mean, but really, when really it comes, the star was DeAndre. Swift. I was just gonna say, if you want to talk about the Eagles' offense, Jalen Hurts had, I wouldn't say very little to do with it, but like that, they, you know, they just ran around DeAndre Swift, 175 yards, 6.25 average, is mind-boggling. That's a lot. That's a lot in the NFL. It's um, it's uh, it's it's quite a wild. Uh, stat and so mm. the vikings start off at zero and two in a division that i feel like they should be winning <laughs> with the, the way yeah. the Packers are and i i didn't buy into the bears hype coming into this season you can listen back to the audio on that and mm-hmm. the lions were a team that uh i know you're a patriots fan but you you love your dan campbell you can run through a wall for him oh run through um, a wall for that man but uh, and it seemed like things were off to a good start for the Lions week one, but we'll talk about their week two game yeah. uh, against Seattle. But uh, this should be a division that 
Minnesota should be really running away with, with the talent that they have on offense and whatever, but just not able to put it together right now, Mike. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't see a change happening this season, but I think it might be time to, uh, to move on from Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback because he's not. He's got the numbers. He really does. You know, you can look at the memes. You could look at all that. You could look at the, the fact that he, I think he only has one win in prime time. Fine. Okay. How many wins do you have in prime time? You know, like you can't really hold that against the guy. But I just think they need they need some someone else back there to get the ball to Justin Jefferson. They need a guy that can create time for himself. They need a Russell Wilson. They need a Jalen Hurts. They need a guy that can scramble out, roll out of the pocket, create time for himself to, for, to let Justin Jefferson get 50 yards downfield and hit him with a bomb. Yeah, uh, the the only issue I have with that because I do I do agree with you. I think mm-hmm. it's becoming clear that Kirk is that weird quarterback where he's good. He is a good quarterback. He's good. He is he's, very good. He's a solid quarterback, but he's not that elite level quarterback that could really win you a Super Bowl. I think no, he's it's not. starting to become more apparent. And yeah. uh, I am hesitant to say that there. He, there are a couple other quarterbacks in that tier with Kirk Cousins. Um, I will reluctantly say Dak Prescott is in that tier. Um, but uh, I, I, he's one of those quarterbacks where it's really tough to move on because who, where is that quarterback out there that you mentioned that could fill in and replace Kirk Cousins and, and perform better? Uh, oh, I got a finger up. Who is it? I mean, you just said his name. No, don't you dare say Dak Prescott. They're going to start – Trey Lance is the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys next No, season. no, no, he's not. So they gotta, they're going to move on somehow from Dak Prescott. No, And I think Minnesota would happening. be a great spot for him. No, that's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> I will not allow that to happen. I'm Cooper Rush by. is going to get more opportunities than Trey Lance this year. Trust me. This year, probably, but next year – Next year, Trey Lance is going into camp as the starter. I'm calling it right now. Oh, it's, it's on recording now. It's You're on recording. I'll, I'll... Hey, man. I will you got to grab the bull by the horns. I will be shocked if Trey Lance is the starting quarterback. He's starting year. quarterback. He's going into camp as a starting quarterback. Well, we'll talk about the Cowboys more in a little bit. But uh, I will say uh, one of the bright spots of the Vikings right now offensively is Jordan Addison. He is coming through as a wide receiver too, uh, behind uh, Justin Jefferson. He is so fast. Yes. See him getting behind. Like the the Eagles have, you know, they lost a couple guys in free agency in that secondary, but they're still good. Like Darius Slay is still a top ten cornerback. Uh, James Bradbury is, in my mind, it you know is a top ten quarterback when he's on. And this guy was just flying past. Yeah. Just. With nothing, just I don't even I don't even think he sweat during that entire game. No, he just did not break a sweat. Yeah. Speaking of sweat, Josh Sweat on the defensive side of the ball had a very good game as well. Yeah. Um, for the Eagles, and so, yeah. Uh, in the case of uh, Addison, obviously it's it's becoming clear he's an upgrade over Adam Thielen at this stage. Um, mm. I I know we're only a couple games in, but I think it's fair to say that's a that's a good conclusion to make. 
Yeah. Um, really with the Vikings, and this has just been the Vikings for years now. They have the talent, the roster. Uh, I think it, their coaching is good. I think O'Connell is a, you know, under that McVay tree. Like, I think he knows the modern day offense and knows how to utilize guys like a Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just now they have to put it all together and win some football games. Yeah. And he's definitely the coach for that team. So it's, it's hopefully they can get out of this rut that they dug themselves get to at least let's get them to two and two get themselves to two and two and then go from there basically start at zero again and go from there with the season so that's the thursday nighter out of the way let's get into the sunday slate of games my favorite time uh, of the week sunday one o'clock in the afternoon getting that getting ready got for me i've got nfl red zone on just waiting for that first kickoff and waiting for the seven hours of commercial free football to (laughs) Blast into my ears. Um, but uh, let's start off with the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. A uh, lot of questions about the Bengals Ooh. now. It seems like, two that Joe Burrow may have re-aggravated that injury. Um, yeah. And the Ravens just looked way more efficient with the ball out there than the Bengals did. Um, the Bengals just, they, they especially the case of Burrow, really haven't taken off at the start of the season. And I've noticed that's kind of been a pattern with the Bengals the last couple of years with Burrow. Um, they don't start off very hot. No. Then around week four, week five, they start to click. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they, the high-powered, the, the high-end talent of Damar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon and Burrow, obviously, um, they really start to come through. Yeah. But it feels like a tale as old as time where Joe Burrow's just taking all these hits. This offensive line isn't great. I mean, you know, stop me if you've heard this before. Um, and uh, and I will say in the case of the Ravens, um, you know, they, they've got a new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. They're changing things up. Uh, Lamar is kind of throwing the ball a little bit more. But uh, it's and, – and I didn't think they were lights out, but they played a much better game than the Bengals in this game than I, I thought. Obviously, they won, so they did play a much better game. But in terms of controlling the pace of play, being efficient with the ball, utilizing the time of possession, I thought the Ravens were pretty efficient. Yeah, I I do agree. I know I've said my opinions about Lamar Jackson in the past. Um, (laughs) Yes, you have on this very program. Uh, I have said it multiple times on this very program. Um, But he does seem like a different quarterback this year. Guy that is looking more to pass. I know it's only two games in, and then you can't really go off of two games, and I understand that. But it almost does seem like, you know, they're going to utilize what he can do with his legs. Obviously, you'd be the dumbest coach in history not to utilize that as a weapon. Mm -hmm. But it does seem like they told him, like, look, sit back in the pocket for, like, two seconds. Just, like, give give your a chance to your receivers, like, him and Zay Flowers are going to turn into a nice little duo. Um, you know, OBJ is really only there to have veteran leadership in my mind. I don't think yeah. he's going to – they're going to be lucky if he hits 700 yards receiving, you know? Yeah, and he's hurt again too. And he's like, hurt again. So. so it's just like they'll be – like I said, they'll be lucky if he gets 700 yards. Zay Flowers, I think, could hit 1,000 this year. He looks really good. He looks really good. I wasn't really sold on him because he does look – you know, a little small, and it was the same thing with Addison with the Vikings. Like, I'm like, yeah, just a, you know, we'll see. And these guys are within two weeks, I've already proved me wrong. Yeah, oh, yeah, so. it, it's his flowers is really impressed. Uh, 
and you know coming out of Boston College he was he was such a wild card receiver for me coming out of uh Boston College because mm-hmm. you know you mentioned other guys like your Jordan Addisons your Jackson Smith and Jigbas like I thought those two guys were better players um yeah but uh Flowers had that big game ability if that makes any sense like he could really take over yeah when, when given the opportunity and he's really fit into that offense and um and I look at OBJ as you mentioned I I see him more as like a wide res- like his recent success was with LA when he wasn't the focal point of the offense he wasn't the wide receiver one it was Cooper Cup that was the wide receiver one mm-hmm. and so OBJ was out there and plus they had uh Robert I think Robert Woods was on that squad if not it was Allen Robinson but uh yeah they, they had another receiver there that, that could at least get some touches so that when OBJ had the ball, he could do some magic. He wasn't the focal point. This is not the same OBJ of New York of New York Giants fame. No. And but, obviously the the Ravens knew that they weren't going to get that. They, they, they that. paid him handsomely. but They uh, did. Mm, we'll see. But, I think they uh, more gave in to Lamar's demand than actually wanted to sign him to that. Oh, let's get a contract. Let's get an injury-prone receiver for Lamar Jackson. That's what this team needs. Yes, you it's, can hear uh, the sarcasm in my <laughs> voice. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh. It, it, it's just, and and obviously, if you're Lamar, you've also got Mark Andrews, a tight end who never gets the credit I find for being an excellent tight end. He's not exactly lighting it up this year, but he did get a touchdown this game. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, he's just—he's the third best tight end in the league behind George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So the third best tight end in the league doesn't really get the spotlight that often, right? That's just where it is. Where he is right now, he's very good, very yeah. good. I love, I love how he plays the game. I think he's very complete, but he's the third best tight end in the league. So yeah. the third Some, best. Some would argue he's number two, only because Kittle is on the decline. But um, I, you say he's on the on the decline. I think uh, I think he's gonna have a career year this year. We'll get Ooh, to that later. Nice. I'll just I'll just a little tidbit for that. I love these teases that you do. <laughs> I love these teases. I get I get excited. You throwing in the Trey Lance as the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and George, George Kittle's gonna have a career year. Yeah. Oh, this this is. This is why we bring you on. You bring the teases. You get the people uh, to still stay tuned because they're like, what is Mike going to say? What is Mike Sarkeesian going to say? Yeah. And, like, I remember last year, I think I hit on none of these, but I still (laughs) like saying them. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes you got to shoot your shot. That's what I've learned. Sometimes you just got to shoot it. uh, And You you miss 100% of the shots. You don't take Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. That's right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, all that to say, uh, Ravens played much more efficiently. Some questions about the Bengals and where they're at, and obviously we'll keep an eye on Joe Burrow and what's going to come from him and that injury, uh, re-aggravating it. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – the Bengals are just in a weird spot right now. You know, they they just signed Burrow to that massive extension. I'm yeah. not exactly hitting the panic button yet. But I think if week five, it's it's really showing that they're not hitting a stride. I think the the seat of Zach Taylor starts to get a little bit hot. Not yeah. not 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 flaming inferno hot, but it's like when you turn on the oven and it's just about to like you're you're just starting oh, to heat yeah, up, yeah, like yeah. You're, about, you're just about to and cook up some eggs and you just start heating up the oven. The the other thing too with Joe Burrow is he didn't play in the preseason, so these two games are his preseason. 
there's going to be rust, especially when he missed a bit of training camp due to his calf injury. Right. You know, so like the in my mind after that, when that when he got when he went down and he wasn't going to play in the preseason, I'm like, okay, let's see week four, Joe Burrow. Let's see week five, Joe Burrow. Week four, week five, Joe Burrow is what we're going to get for the season. Yeah. Week one, two, and three is the guy who is getting the rust off, trying to, you know, obviously he doesn't really get used to the offense or his team, but, like, it's still, you got to get that rust off in the offseason. Yep, for sure. So we'll see. We'll see when week, like you said, week five, we'll, we'll see where they are by week five. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh... – with that, let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons surprisingly beating the Green Bay Packers 25-24 thanks to uh, a Yunwei Koo field goal and uh, pushing them to a 25-24 victory. You know Jordan Love? I, think I know him. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you know, I know you know him. I know yeah. him. We all know him, all, all the football fans. He's looking pretty all right. He's, 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 he's looking all right. You know what? First two games into his as a starter, yeah, replacing Aaron Rodgers. I'll take it. Yeah, so far it could be much, much worse. It could be so much worse, especially with the weapons that he's been given. He doesn't have Christian Watson, who's out with injury. Aaron mm-hmm. Jones was out of this game as well. Yeah, and so all he really has is Romeo Dobbs and with, a couple other guys. Which they did a really good job. Atlanta, like AJ Terrell shut him down two yes. catches for only 30 yards yes so none of his receivers even hit went over 50 yards in this game. right so but, uh, but he did spread the ball around he uh, did yes because you kind of have to uh mm-hmm. with with the with what you've got just see who who could really take over and and there are players like with the packers especially on the defensive side of the ball there are players i really like um mm. but uh yeah, the Packers' offense was always like going into the season, like man, they're not really giving Jordan Love much to succeed with, um, and so it is good to see that he is kind of taking the ball. And you know, it's he, granted again, it's the Bears and it's the Falcons. We, I'm not yeah. going to be ringing too many bells, but as but having also said that, I live by the motto that uh, good teams beat the bad teams. And so, uh, you know what? If you're beating the teams that aren't so great, I think you're doing all right. You know what? That's one. That's probably the only way you got to look at it. Yeah, especially if you're a Packers fan. Yeah. Having said that, they did fall to the Falcons, and I find <laughs> that was more the more the Falcons like the Falcons frustrate me, man. They really frustrate me because I'm not a Desmond Ritter guy. Um, he just has not. Sh- I I know it's his second season, but yeah. He really didn't show much for me in the first season, and and I I'm just Arthur Smith frustrates me in terms oh. of his player <laughs> utilization. And uh, there was a time last week where I thought that they were not going to utilize Bajan Robinson, uh, which would have been asinine to me. Um, but fortunately, uh, Bajan Robinson, they realized, hey, you know, he's he's pretty good when you give him the ball. Yeah. So uh, let's give him 19 carries. And uh, he'll run it for 124 yards. Um, I'll take and, it. And and also, you know, under the radar, Ty- Tyler Aljair, mm-hmm. uh, who was a solid back for Atlanta, had a thousand yards rushing last season. Kind of flew under the radar. That's a good little duo there. Um, 
And, uh, you know, Drake London is a solid receiver. I He's a guy that I was kind of circling as having a potential breakout. Um, and so there are pieces there. And then you mentioned A.J. Terrell, a very good pickup on the defense. They also brought in a couple other defensive guys that look pretty good. And they're in a division where they could easily win it because the division yeah. is just so bad. Um, notice I haven't mentioned the name Kyle Pitts yet. I was in just terms of the looking, uh, at analysis. His, looking at his stat line, two catches for 15 yards. Yeah. So where do we stand <laughs> with Pitts? Is it because of him or is it because Arthur Smith's just not utilizing him? It's, I don't. I don't I, I, right off the bat, I want to be like, it's because the coach is not using him. But it it also does seem like he's not taking advantage of his opportunity. You know, I hate throwing guys saying that about players because I'm not in the locker room. I don't know these guys personally. I, I probably have no connection to Kyle Pitts at all. I, pro- I do not know anyone that knows someone that knows someone that knows someone that knows him. You know? I have no idea. I know nothing about this guy, but for some reason, and like I saw it a lot, I saw it a bit last year where he, I felt he just didn't take advantage of the opportunities that he, he got. So it's almost like the coach is like, you're not taking advantage. Why am I going to give you more opportunities? Yeah. That's just my opinion. That's just what I'm seeing. Like I said, I don't know him. I'm not in the locker room, but that's just what I see on the field. Yeah. It's it's tough because it's like I still feel like they could utilize Pitts more and and make him be more of a focal point, but you know I, I it's probably something I'm just gonna be really mad about for the rest of the season. And I'll come on to this show. It's like why are they using this guy and why are they using this? But at least I could say you know what they realized compared to last week that hey, you know Bajon Robinson is pretty good. I saw him play yeah. in Texas. Like that guy was an otherworldly running back. Uh, there's a reason why he was drafted so high in the first round as a running back at the modern day NFL is because he could do things, not only running the ball, but also catching the ball. Um, and so he's must see TV. Pretty he much. is. And uh, so he, he brings that element to that Falcons team. And again, as I mentioned, coming back in the second, in the second half to, to win this game against green Bay. Um, and so the Falcons open up the season. 2-0 and and look to be early don't, division favorites. Don't think anyone saw that coming. Nope. Cer- not, cer- not certainly I. Well, uh, yeah. So Certainly not I. There, three teams in that division are 2-0 and right now. Which is crazy. I don't think anyone saw that coming. No. I think the only team I had penciled in to be 2-0 and at this point in the year was the Saints. Yeah. I, had, I think I probably would have put the other teams at probably 0-2. Maybe yeah. at least, obviously, one and one since we've only played two games. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, one of those other teams. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks beating the Chicago Bears 27 to 17. Seems like Baker Mayfield is playing pretty well. Playing pretty well. He's uh, kind of finding his footing in Tampa Bay. And, and look, I, I didn't buy into Mike Evans was going to have a down season. Uh, Mike Evans has been having a thousand yard seasons every single year with worse quarterbacks than Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, like he's had to get the ball thrown to him from Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston, Tom obviously, Brady. Obviously, well, <laughs> well, he's not a bad quarterback, but, but you know what I mean, right? Like, yeah. Uh, obviously that's the best quarterback he's ever played for. Arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, and so 
I I see that and I'm like, why do people continue to count out Mike Evans? Yes, I know he's in a contract year. Um, yes, I, I I know that he doesn't have the greatest quarterback in the world, but let's not forget it is Mike Evans. Like the guy just puts up numbers. He's always been a guy that can come out and ball. And this was just another example of that. Uh, this game where Mike Evans had a very good game. He's this generation's Larry Fitzgerald. Yep. I think that's just, a great comp, actually. The guy's just gonna ball out every year. He's gonna put up a thousand yards. Does and you know what? It just it's the perfect in my mind, it's the perfect comparison because Larry also did not have any quarterback until he only had Warner for what three years, maybe? Yep. And then it wasn't until then he went down again, and then Carson Palmer showed up and like so he's this generation's Larry Fitzgerald doing it with you know guys that are very familiar like guys with names uh, recognized but like just can't really aren't the 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 franchise type guy uh obviously other than tom brady Mm -hmm. um but it's on honestly it's just like the coaches are just like looked at baker mayfield just like just throw it throw it to 13. yep if you get into a bind find 13. Yeah, just and if he's not there, and if, and if he's not there, throw it to Godwin. And throw if you, if thirteen's not there, throw it to fourteen. Like, yeah, exactly. It, there's worst options in my mind, and Baker Mayfield's probably in the best uh, place to be right now. Yeah, and he's and he's starting to thrive uh, in Tampa Bay again. Two weeks in, we want to try to avoid the overreactions. We don't yes. want to be calling for heads. Uh, except for one team's head coach, which I will be calling for his head, and and I will reveal it uh, once we get to the game. But uh, uh, having said that, uh, yeah, I look at Tampa Bay. I they're doing way better than I thought they would at this point. Um, but I do want to talk about the Bears. I want to talk about Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Overhyped going into the season. Can we admit, like, yeah. way overhyped? Like I was, and I was on that hype train. You I were was. on that hype train. I was. And so I'm are you sorry. willing to admit faults on this I am. podcast? I am. Yeah. You know that's big of you. I appreciate you. You know being able to do that it takes a lot to come onto this show and 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 admit faults. And uh, I'm not going to admit fault because I was one of those people that was not on the train with Justin Fields. I never like he ran for a thousand yards, right? And so people were like, "Oh, this could be another dual threat, right? He could be somebody that like a." Uh, Michael, Michael Vick. Vick. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And you could argue, yes, in terms of arm talent, what we saw from him at Ohio State, that there was ar- certainly arm talent there. But for whatever reason, his game time decisiveness, his decision making has not gone to the NFL level at this stage of the season. There are a lot of times in this game where he had some good looks. Yeah, there was one play, I, I forget which quarter, but they're in the Bucks 20, we're within the 20-yard line, and there's a guy that's wide open, like wide open. Hit him in stride, you're going to get into a touchdown, and Fields just takes it and runs up the middle. And I'm like, man, just like, that's just a lack of confidence. And Yeah. Uh, I So I'm not on the Fields hype train because I just, he has just not shown enough for me to really get confident in him. I think people sometimes get warped into with fields that I think he's a very strong 
fantasy football quarterback where he could get a couple of yards on over the air and, and get a touchdown. But boy, he could also get you those extra yards with his feet yeah. and get you some touchdowns. And so people get enticed with that. They say, Oh, he gets me 20 points in fantasy football, yeah. you know, because sure. He only, he only threw for a hundred yards and had a touchdown, but he also ran for 150 yards and had two touchdowns in there. And yeah. so it, it makes it seem like it's a bigger deal than what he actually is. And I think that was more because that offense was just lackluster in Chicago. And now it's technically better. They bring in DJ Moore. And DJ Moore had a solid game for DJ Moore. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 104 yards receiving. He didn't get a touchdown, but he hauled in six catches on his seven targets. So he did what he needed to do. Hey, our, our guy Chase Claypool got a touchdown, Canadian. Um, good for him. Uh, there's a there's another mm -hmm. case of uh, – somebody that's uh, not utilizing his full talent, but not because nope. of coaching or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I look at all of that and I, I just, I'm again, week two, maybe all of a sudden he turns it around and, and he yeah. establishes a connection and maybe I shouldn't overreact, but going into this season, I'm like, I am not on the Justin Fields train. You go back at the audio into the previews and I'm like, I am not on this guy. I, I am not confident in this guy to take it to the next level. Plus, it's also the Bears, and they just have a horrible history of quarterbacks. A horrible yeah. history of quarterbacks. Yeah. So uh, when when all I can think of is Jim McMahon and Jay Cutler and Rex Grossman, Rex Grossman, right? Like like uh, Jim Harbaugh, like all these quarterbacks that have played for. That's a not Chicago. a good history. No, not it's not history. not at all. Uh, I just I I look at that and just does not inspire a lot of confidence with Chicago, and so. Mm. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get that off my chest. I really did. <laughs> Good for you. I was, I was, I was tired of hearing about it. Um, Good for you. So let's go to a, a game that uh, was quite exciting. Overtime thriller. The Seattle oh. Seahawks beat the Detroit Lions thirty-seven to thirty-one. Quite the back and forth. Uh, both quarterbacks were quarterbacks that I think going into the season, people thought that maybe one or the other or both would see a setback and Jared Goff and Geno Smith. Well, those two said, nah, nah, we're going to play to our level. And uh, both those guys, I thought played a very good football game, except for one play for one guy at the end. <laughs> and that unfortunately will overshadow his tremendous performance. And that was Geno Smith running around like a maniac, taking the sack in his own five when he was at the 20 and uh, giving a prime opportunity for the Lions. Uh, now, again, the Lions, were, they took advantage, obviously. They scored the touchdown. Seahawks are able to get the win. Tyler Lockett got the win in overtime. Um, mm. So it wasn't a perfect game for Geno, but he was able to get the win. Jared Goff has kind of surprised me a little bit in terms of how well he's been playing. He's and he's been consistently good. Like I thought in the Kansas City game, like the stats may not show it, but he was a guy that was consistently making his passes, throwing it downfield, utilizing his weapons and Amon Ross St. Brown and uh so uh, Khalif Raymond and Craig Reynolds. And, uh so I, I see that and uh so he's and I think that also kind of goes back to their offensive coordinator there, mm -hmm. uh, Ben Johnson, yep, uh, yep. for for the Lions. 
I think he's a really he was getting some head coaching looks, and you can oh. tell why because he 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 knows how to utilize Josh uh 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 Goff Jared Goff yeah <laughs> um for some reason I was gonna say Josh Dobbs I don't know why yeah. but um but he knows how to utilize Jared Goff and if yeah. you notice they love to do a lot of play action I think there's a reason why they do, brought in Montgomery and obviously Jameer Gibbs is because they want to be somebody where um I saw this stat it was kind of pointed out to me that. Uh, when Jared Goff was with the Rams and they had Todd Gurley and other and some other good running backs, they mm-hmm. utilized a lot of play action, and Jared Goff mm-hmm. looked really good off of play action. Yeah, and I think they realized, hey, that's a strength of his. He knows how to play off of play action, and so let's bring in two running backs in Montgomery who could get you some yards and be a consistent every down back. Jameer Gibbs could be a great change of pace back and could also pass, uh, sorry, catch out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hasn't been exactly amazing, but. Uh, he's still been a, a vital player for them. And yeah. also that offense for the Lions is, is good. Um, and they're utilizing Goff to his strengths and obviously not able to get the victory here, but still I thought he put in a tremendous performance. I, You hit the nail on the head when it comes to Jared Goff. Just like uh, they're, they're finding Ben Johnson is just putting in the perfect offense for this guy to succeed. Uh, having And then – I'm surprised you didn't mention this guy. Amon Ross St. Brown is turning into probably a top five receiver in the league. Yep. And just, it's a guy that Goff can trust, you know, like uh, you can make an argument that he never really had a guy like that with the Rams other than maybe Brandon cooks, but that was only for like, I think a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, he never really had a guy in my mind. I can't think of any receiver that he had with the Rams. What, when did when did he have Cup? Where did Cup come in? Cup came in. He wasn't Cup yet, right? Like you Cup know? really came in when it when he was with Stafford. Cup became you saw you saw flashes of it with in Goff's last year, but then when Stafford came in, that's when Cup became Cup. Yeah, you saw flashes of it like the la, the Goff's during Goff's like last two seasons, and you're like, oh, this guy could be good, but maybe nothing more than like a slot receiver. And then Stafford just th- – that offense just blew it out of the water. Um, so Amon Ross St. Brown just gives, a, you know, a nice security blanket for Jared Goff that just, like, this guy's going to have a good season. Ben Johnson, like, you know, like you were saying before, like, the Lions are really lucky that this guy did not accept any offers. Uh, I don't even think he went on any interviews because uh, mm-hmm. he knows that Detroit has something special there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, obviously Dan Campbell. Everybody loves that man. Uh, the fact that he's drinking two venti uh, coffees with two espresso shots in each, uh, that man is a psychopath. No wonder he has so much energy uh, having all those espresso shots in him. <laughs> um, but uh, looking at the Seahawks, the Seahawks were a team that some had pegged to take a step back this year, mainly because of Geno. Um and I, I understood why at that time. It's like, could you see Gino take that step back? There's, you know, game tape on him. Would he be figured out? I could understand that argument. There was a, some things, though, with the Seahawks where I thought they had gotten better. Um, I love that they picked up Jackson Smith and Jigba um, to really complement DK and Lockett because those two guys are great on the outside. And Smith and Jigba is a guy who can really play the slot well. And we saw that at Ohio State where he was just a tremendous slot receiver that could change the pace of the game. 
Um, and so I love that pickup for Seattle when they were able to have him when he when he made that slide uh, down the draft. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, Tyler Lockett was able to get the victory here. And again, I should mention Kenneth Walker the third is on this team. Uh, was definitely in consideration at one point to be the offensive rookie of the year. There were some concerns of him being able to maintain his pace because they brought in Zach Charbonnet. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's got two touchdowns this game. Didn't exactly light it up in terms of yardage. Yeah. But he did, you know, when he was given the ball, he was told, hey, we need you to score at the goal line. He was able to get those points, and I still believe he's, he's a strong uh, starting running back in this league that could get you some some points on the board. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I got nothing really else to say about him. So with that, let's move on. Sorry about that. Let's just get this game out of the way. Oh, no, it's all good. I didn't even notice anything. One was more. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Richardson is injured. We don't know how long he's going to be gone. He had that concussion. It seemed like he was going to really light it up this game. Um, and and he already had the two rushing touchdowns. And yeah. Um, then he suffered the concussion. He really took a shot to the head uh, as he was going down, left for the rest of the game. As of this recording, we don't know how long or if uh, Richardson was going to be out long term um, at this point. But uh, I'll tell you what. I was somebody that was on the Anthony, you know, I was just kind of crapping on the Justin Fields stuff and being on the hype train. I was on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I was on the hype train for Anthony Richardson. I thought that guy was just like, I thought it would, there was, I know he was very raw and I know that, you know, he didn't have many games starting at Florida, but I thought that guy was just way too talented of an athlete to not be at least good. And he seemed like a guy that was willing to learn the playbook. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and get better. And the first couple of weeks, I thought he was playing better than I thought he would at this stage, uh, of his, uh, of the, of his NFL career. Yeah. Um, but obviously he gets injured. Gardner Minshew comes in and I, he's a guy I find incredibly underrated. He's a guy who could fill in and win you games. Like to me, he's a starter on other teams. I, um, yeah. I, I just never really understood why Minshew, cause other and and I guess it's because of the physical traits that he has because he's not elite arm talent or elite you know athlete or elite this yeah he's a lot of good and to uh to serviceable uh yeah so but I, I think it was a smart move to bring in a Gardner Minshew in case things didn't go right with Anthony Richardson and obviously he was able to get a touchdown out of it on the other side of the ball C.J. Stroud just lit it up stat wise. Uh, 384 yards passing, two touchdowns. Um, there were some questions on maybe if Tank Dell, there were some Tank Dell supporters out there seeing if he could take that next step. Uh, Nico Collins had a big game uh, for seven catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Robert Woods is on this team. Um, so with the Texans still, I think they've got some good young pieces, but this is still a team that's growing and uh, still needs some work done. Yeah. Um... You know, I think I always felt that CJ Stroud was the best quarterback in the draft coming out of the draft. Mm-hmm. I thought I really thought he was still going to go number one to Carolina. At, well, I guess Chicago at the time, but then obviously Carolina. Um, 
so you just gotta the one thing is and i told this to my dad who's also obviously a big football fan as well who i get it from <laughs> watching cj stroud play has reminded me a lot of the david carr texans where mm-hmm. this guy gets the ball looks up and he has to run for his life yeah and the texans need to see that like okay we got a little we got a younger receiving core we got two solid running backs and damian pierce and devin singletary gotta start putting money into this whole line like literally don't sign any other position don't sign any other big names at any other positions the defense is solid needs still need some work but that old line you need to put money into that old line draft free agency trades you need to protect your quarterback so that's what they need to do from here on now is just you got to throw money at this at offensive lineman whoever is a free agent draft whenever it comes to picking up players just focus on the old line don't focus yeah. on any other positions right now yeah Moving on to the Chiefs of the Jaguars, a game that I thought would be much more exciting than what it was. Um, Jaguars really didn't get going here. Yeah, uh, Trevor Lawrence was kind of middling at quarterback, didn't get any touchdown passes, and uh, just really wasn't able to get things going for the Jaguars. Um, you have the return of Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs' side. Yeah. Um, Kelsey from a knee injury and Jones from a contract dispute. And uh, both were, uh, both both were you could tell were were big producers for the Chiefs and were uh, sorely needed uh, in terms of uh, their return to the lineup. But uh, it wasn't exactly a uh, shootout like I think some were hoping it would be. Uh, it wasn't a back and forth where it's like you know uh, Mahomes is throwing to Kelsey and Lawrence is throwing to uh, Christian Kirk or uh, Calvin Ridley. Um, so this ended up being a not so exciting game. Yeah, like um, but, but the Chiefs were able to get back on track. Yeah, like I'll be honest, I actually kind of forgot about this game. <laughs> Cuz like yeah. it just it just wasn't anything. It was just there. It was just a one o'clock game. Two teams played. I couldn't tell you who played in this game, you know? So um All I could say is can Kadarius Tony caught a pass. He caught five passes in this game. That's yeah, literally we, the we, only highlight I, I noticed from this game. We can confirm that he does not have bricks for hands. Uh, he can catch a football. He can. And uh, I so. thought it was bold of him, by the way, to be trying to troll Giants fans after that Cowboys blowout when he pulled in that performance on Thursday Night Football last oh, week. Yeah, yeah, like – and like he didn't make up for it. Like he only put up five catches for thirty-five yards. If you're yeah. gonna do something like that, you gotta put up a hundred yards. Yeah, exactly. So, and, uh, you or know, at least guy, eighty yards in a TD or something. Something. But, yeah. This guy is walking around thinking he's top five wide receiver. Where this guy would barely be a number three on some teams. Yeah. So another game we'll quickly go over: the Bills just dominating the Las Vegas Raiders, thirty-eight yeah. to ten. Um, nothing much else I can I can really take it, it away was, from it. It was it was a blowout, you know. Like people, you can't say much about a blowout because there's nothing much to say. It's the Bills dominated the Raiders. Yep, it's next, uh, you know that's just how I, it is. Al- Allen looked good. He he, 
I, I, you know, he had the not so great game Monday night, the week before. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of people were pushing the panic button way too early with the bills. Um, yeah. And uh, so the bills, they go into Las Vegas. Uh, they get to, they get the victory. Um, and, uh, or sorry, uh, at home, uh, they face off against Las Vegas. They get the victory. Um, Matt Milano, one of the big defensive stars yep. uh, for Buffalo. He had an interception this game. Um, I'm also liking how Dalton Kincaid is fitting into this offense. He was a guy that I think was a great selection for Buffalo um, and a great addition for them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's uh, he's somebody that whenever I see him, he's he's very good on his routes, makes the plays. You know, they're still going to rely on Dawson Knox for the time being, but I think you're going to slowly see more of uh, of Dalton Kincaid and him being utilized in the offense. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, this great pickup in the draft, like probably the sure. best, probably the best pick in the draft. Yeah, you know, for where they got him and yeah, uh, for. What the comparisons to the comparisons to Kelsey as well yeah. coming out. Uh, so right. it's like, why not get our own Travis Kelsey, right? A receiving uh, tight end. You know what? Yeah, like Dawson Knox is a great tight end, and I think people might have been a little shocked in the moment, but then, like, the next day, people probably woke up and going, you know, you know what? That was probably the smartest pick. They, that was probably the smartest pick they could have done at yep. that at that place in the draft. Mm-hmm. So it's right now it's paying off. Let's talk about the Titans and the Chargers. I'm going to say it. I still don't know why Brandon Staley is here. I don't know why he's still the head coach of the Chargers. This Chargers team is now 0-2. They somehow lost to the Titans. Uh, And this Chargers team, again, much like the Vikings, on paper, you look at the talent that's on their roster. Justin Herbert's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, Eckler, I know Eckler is gone and, for the time being, and uh, so they didn't have, they weren't fully loaded at running back, but you know you still have weapons there. Keenan Allen had a big game, two touchdowns, 111 yards receiving. Mike Williams, you bring in Quinton Johnson as well, uh, and he puts in a staggering one catch and seven yards receiving. Quinton Johnston, um, and uh, yeah, I, I look at this, but the Titans were able to just come through and. It's like statistically, the Chargers did all, all the things right, and the Titans were the, just able to find a way. Yeah, the Titans are going to turn into like the cardiac kids type of mm. team, where it's just going to be ground and pound right to the end, and like you just don't know how this game's going to go. I know cardiac kids are more like coming, you know, come back from behind type of thing, but like yeah. this team is just going to grind away at the other team's defense and just grind and keep just putting pressure, 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 pressure until something pops. Yeah. You know, that is going to be this Titans offense. And that's what they, you know, Derek Henry, Derek Henry's still a good player. Some people are saying he's going to fall off this year. I was hearing some people say that. I had 20, give, how many running backs get the ball 25 times in a game? <laughs> Very rarely that's, in the modern NFL unheard of in today's game 80 yards in the touchdown okay so like the average yards doesn't look that good it's only you know three and a half barely three and a half yards per carry but 25 carries yep and that's just grinding away at that charge defense just printing pressure grinding away grinding away grinding away Tannehill had a solid game 20 for 24 246 yards and a touchdown 
but it's the Derrick Henry getting the ball 25 times and just grinding away at that defense. Yeah. I will give a shout out to Ty J Spears, who is clearly being groomed as the replacement for Derrick Henry when that happens, <laughs> similar to uh, what happened in Minnesota, funny enough, with uh, Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. and Madison taking over. Now, that one has not worked out as well as they were hoping for with Alexander Madison. It's there. only two games. I get only two games, <laughs> so I shouldn't I shouldn't say much. But um, but uh, it's kind of the same strategy they're trying to do with Ty J Spears. And I will tell you what, Ty J Spears and and the times I've seen him play mm-hmm. uh, filling in, he's looked more impressive than I would have thought of Alexander Madison when he filled in for Dalvin Cook. That's, I will say that. All right. Okay. okay. Again, two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. So maybe he falls off a cliff. But uh, that's we'll how see. I kind of view it. But yeah. uh, I think Staley has to go at this point. It wouldn't shock yeah. me soon if Kellen Moore ends up being the head coach all of a sudden. Um, but uh, I just yeah. – the Chargers just continue to just be a frustrating team to watch and, uh, you know, mm. able to force overtime and, and get the last second uh, – the Chargers able to force overtime, but the Titans were able to be – able to get the victory, get the field goal of their own and just yeah, well, frustrating. That's all you need, eh? Yeah, sometimes it's all you need <laughs> in the NFL. Uh, let's go to a game where I thought it was going to go one way, then it went completely the other way, and the <laughs> Giants and the Cardinals, where it seemed like I I was looking, I was like, oh, the Giants are much worse than we thought. The Giants oh, are an awful God. team. And for a Cowboy fan to almost, like, I I hear sorrow in your voice. <laughs> saying yes. that about the Giants. Oh, I just I, I looked at that first half and I was like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. <laughs> but then the Giants realized, hey, we're the New York Giants and they're the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And uh and all of a sudden they just put in this comeback, battled their way through, and I had turned away. I thought it was gonna be 20 to nothing, and the Giants were not gonna put up any points, and all of a sudden. I turn my head again, and all of a sudden, it's a 31-28 victory for the Giants. What happened here? How no. how did the Giants come back? It's just, you said it, Cardinals suck. <laughs> and you know what I realized? And it was even, I don't remember who they played. Who did, Do you remember who Arizona played week one? Why am I trying to play? Washington. That's Washington, yeah. These are still NFL players. These are still good athletes that can run around me, run through me. (laughs) I have no chance to stop any of these guys, okay? So I've realized that even if you put two bad teams against each other, it's still going to turn out to be a pretty good game. Yeah. You look at week one with the Washington Commanders. That that game surprised me a lot. I actually thought Cardinals were going to win that game. I thought Josh Dobbs was going to have a little comeback. Um, and then they went up 20 to nothing over the Giants. I'm like, oh, man. like this is, Are the Cardinals, like, are the Cardinals, instead of being 1-16, in 16, they're going to be 2-15? Like, is, <laughs> is, is this the Cardinals team that we're actually going to get? But, unfortunately, they're the same old Cardinals. Yeah. Um, it's tanking for Caleb Williams is at this stage. Yeah, he's gonna stay at USC until another team tanks for him. Yeah, he is not yeah. going. He is 
he will find a way to have eligibility for the next like five years. <laughs> yeah. So he just doesn't go to Arizona. Yeah. He'll he'll make his money off of NIL. I'll tell you what. When I was in New York, New Jersey, yeah. uh, to go see the Cowboys and <laughs> and Giants the week earlier, uh, I will be, I will say, a lot of Caleb Williams advertising in the states. A lot of Caleb really? Williams advertising, especially for Wendy's. A lot of Wendy's. Uh, shockingly because that makes sense i i i don't know why like i would watch espn and there would be caleb williams trying to sell me a hamburger and he's like throwing a bag at uh, matt leinert and the big 10 <laughs> crew at fox it's like all right cool uh like, but uh caleb i don't know williams, why i don't know why but i feel like i gotta go get a wendy's now yeah and now all of a sudden i'm like man thank you potential first overall pick caleb williams I mean, I am gonna go get this. Uh, they had this nacho cheeseburger that they're selling there. Oh I I believe that's what it's called a nacho cheeseburger. Uh, nacho cheeseburger, like I, I'm just good with my baconator. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm, I get. Same here. I'm I'm a good old fashioned baconator oh, guy. Man, love me a good baconator. I don't want one now. <laughs> Doornash one right now. Hell yeah. Oh man. When do you sponsor this football podcast? And I will eat a baconator live on the air. Oh, absolutely. I will join you in that. I'm going to try and find this. Uh, here it is. The loaded nacho cheeseburger with queso fries. That's what they I, were selling. I feel my heart stopping just as you read that. <laughs> my arteries uh, are clogging as we speak just by reading that. That was the uh, the big hot button item that they were selling uh, in the U.S. Wendy's. Um, I don't think they're selling it here in Canada. Um, I don't think so. Because I didn't see, I have not seen it uh, in my local Wendy's here. Mm. Um, but uh, apparently it's supposed to pay homage to two American tailgating classics, cheeseburgers <laughs> and nachos. Uh, so okay. okay, that makes sense why there's that football endorsement, I guess. I but, guess. Uh, and now know. I'm hungry. So. The cheeseburger features. I'm going to make you more hungry here. Oh, the cheeseburger features Wendy's famous square beef patty topped with melty cheese, roasted poblano queso, spicy corn, and tortilla chips, lettuce, and tomato. It's all finished off with a spicy chipotle sauce and a jalapeno cheddar bun. It's poblano, by the way. Um, poblano, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to. Is it really? I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Poblano. Queso. I know it's queso. It's queso, uh, and I'm hungry, and yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say on that. Yeah, there's also a chicken sandwich version of it if you wanted one. So, oh my god, what is yeah. wrong with the people? What is wrong yeah. with you? I think uh, I think you and I are gonna have to make a trip over the border and get ourselves a uh, loaded nacho cheeseburger and see guess, how it is. I, I guess I got no choice now. All right, yeah. road trip. Yeah, road trip. Here we go. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna somehow end up at a random NFL game in the middle of it all too, but. Uh, I mean, that's how it goes. That's of course. Uh, but yeah, this uh, Cardinals-Giants game, the Giants came back. Uh, Daniel Jones put in a solid performance, 321 yards passing, two touchdowns, did throw an interception. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, James Conner, a guy who uh, is having a nice little career rena renaissance in Arizona as well. Mm -hmm. He's he's under the radar having good performances and 23 carries, 106 yards rushing for a touchdown. So good for him. He's a guy that I'm rooting for. Uh, just based oh, he's on, a sol uh, he's just a solid player. Like, yeah, he's just in my mind. He's just one of those guys you just you can't hate. You know, yeah, exactly. Just, all he does, he puts his 
helmet on, he goes to work. You got to respect sure. that. I want to talk about this game now, Mr. Mike Sarkeesian. Uh-oh. I want to talk about the Cowboys and the Jets. Oh, of course you do. Of course I do. Hey, we're getting we're getting in the four o'clock games here, and oh, yeah. this was uh, tremendous, Mike. It was <laughs> tremendous. Now I know what you're gonna say, Mike. Oh, but the Cowboys, you know, when they go in the red zone, they didn't get a lot of touchdowns. They really kicked a lot of field goals, and you know, it, they 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 weren't able to finish off drives. And sure, that could be a problem. Sure, that could be a problem. You're milking Mike. this. I'll, Trust me, man. I I don't get this a lot, man. I really don't. I really don't. <laughs> this defense, man, looks awesome. This looks like an awesome defense. This might be the best defense I've ever seen from the Cowboys in my time watching them, and that's including 2000. So that's from 2004, 2005. Mm. This may be the best defense I've ever seen the Cowboys put on the field. Again, two weeks, but they are not only just winning these games, they are dominating these games. Yeah. I'll just, you know, two weeks, but two words. Micah Parsons. Yeah, he's uh, he's Best awesome. defensive player in the league. I am very close to uh, going Will, into the shopping cart and getting a Micah Parsons yeah. jersey. He's going to run away with the defensive player of the year. Yes. I know he said his goal, uh, he's fighting hard to win defensive player of the year this year. And he also kind of wants he wants to win MVP, which I believe the last defensive player was Lawrence Taylor uh, to win MVP. Yeah. So, uh, boy, was Parsons was great, just obliterating Zach Wilson. I will say, in the case of Zach Wilson, one of the better games he played, which is not saying much because he didn't play a lot of great games, but uh, I, I there were some passes that he made, like there was that Garrett Wilson touchdown throw that he made, where it's like that's mm-hmm. a solid throw, that's an NFL throw. Yeah. And yes, it's Garrett Wilson. He's going to take that ball and the yak is going to be incredible. The yards after the catch. But yeah. uh, uh all of a sudden with Aaron Rodgers now there, everyone's like, oh, it's the Jets. Like who's <laughs> who cares about the Jets? All of a sudden, this great defense that everybody was talking about, it just randomly disappears because Aaron Rodgers, for some reason, uh for some reason impacts the Jets ability on defense. I don't know why. That's I don't how, know it how works. that happens. But, you, uh, you didn't know that? That's how it works. Apparently, that's how it works. Um, I will say, uh, I felt like Sauce Gardner was getting a lot of unfair criticism because CD Lamb put in a very good performance. Yeah. But Sauce wasn't on CD Lamb. It was a lot of that was uh, Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Reed really blew up a lot of, of plays. I don't understand why Sauce isn't utilized more as the prime, like, you're Darrell Revis. You put him on to the wide receiver one. I understand that they probably have some formations, and there's a reason why Sauce is covering certain guys mm-hmm. as opposed to others. But maybe this is just football fan me, but I feel like you want your best defensive back against the best wide receiver that you feel is going to shut it down. And so there was a, some some unfair criticism on Sauce in terms of because I didn't watch it thinking, man, we're really lighting up Sauce. I'm I was watching like. I'm surprised they're not lining up Sauce against CD because he's just killing the the Jets. You right know there. what? Like, and Sauce kind of made a comment about it, like after the game, like he's basically said, like I want to be across the number one receiver. Yep. At all times, and if he's up for it, let's see it, man. You know, yep. like, you know, Richard Sherman was, you know, is is a guy that people, uh, some people put him in the conversation as at the time top five corner. Some people don't because the argument was he never followed the best receiver. So yep. 
the times that Seattle would play top receivers, they would just line them up against the other corner and they would still go out and ball out. Mm-hmm. But obviously you couldn't do that against teams like the Jets at the time with Darrell Rivas or, you know, I always look at a guy like Anitas Williams when he was with the Cardinals or with the Rams back in the early 2000s. Yep. Um, if Sauce is willing and ready to follow guys like C.D. Lamb, Jamar Chase, just the best player, best wide receivers in the league, if he's willing to follow them, I'd say let him. Yep. Let him. You know, Reed is a solid number two corner. Mm-hmm. He's not good enough to go up against guys like C.D. Lamb and Jamar Chase. So no. let Sauce follow them. Yep. I agree. I was yeah. I was watching it and I was like I was like I'm shocked they're not utilizing sauce, but hey, like as a Cowboys fan, like just exploit it, right? Like who cares? Oh yeah, just I was gonna say you probably be like, be like, I don't want to say anything, but like, does anyone <laughs> else see that sauce is not with CD right now? Right, uh, that's exactly what I was looking like. It's like, hopefully nobody points it out. Uh, that'd be yeah. that'd be great. I'm I'm really enjoying CD just catching the ball <laughs> every which way, and then how, but. uh Dak Prescott as well. He had a comeback game from last week. Dak, uh, he didn't have to do too much last week. I could tell you that from somebody that was there at that game. And yeah. I was like, Dak uh, didn't really do too much. And again, I do have a concern with how that offense operates in the red zone. They love targeting their tight ends. They love throwing to a Shoemaker or a Peyton Hendershot or a Jake Ferguson. They love throwing to their tight ends in the red zone. And, I would like to see them have some more variety. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, Tony Pollard, I thought when he had the ball, he had some explosive runs. Um, Rico Dowdle was somebody who really showed a lot of explosion to the point where I think he played so well that uh, saw Ronald Jones was cut from the Cowboys roster. Um, mm-hmm. He was coming off a of suspension. Uh, so there's a lot to like about this Cowboys team if you're a Cowboys fan. I'll tell you what, yeah, um, this I'm defense sure. is fun to watch. Uh, I'm sure, man. The, the the fumble on on Dalvin Cook, as well, and and oh, Mike, <laughs> I I haven't I haven't felt this excited about. I know what people are gonna say. Oh, it's the Giants and the Jets, and you shouldn't be naming them. I want to see them against the 49ers. <laughs> I want to see them against the Eagles and blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, you're probably right. You what? You're right. And look, it's not gonna change this week because we'll talk about it in the picks. The Cowboys are facing off against the Cardinals this week. So, oh. so we're not exactly going to change anybody's minds this week, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, with the way this defense is playing, from Gilmore to Diggs to Osa Digizua to Mike <laughs> Parsons, as you mentioned, and oh, just I am very excited about this Cowboys defense. If this Cowboys offense just do, does just enough, <laughs> just enough, that's all they need to, to do. That's all they need to do. Get you know, convert in the red zone, get some touchdowns. And we're all good. Now I need to hear your thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys, Mike. They're okay. No, don't. <laughs> dare How dare you? How They're, dare you? That defense, like you, the, the defense is just wow. You know, Michael Parsons is just all over the place. You know, it's you can't game plan for a guy like that. One minute, one play, he's up lining up against the left tackle with his hand in the dirt. The next play, he's standing up in the middle as the middle linebacker. It's You can't game plan against a guy like that. And he's just so fast. It's just so fast. And literally, like, you know, the job for 
nose tackles is literally just to make room for the linebackers. And right now the interior guys are doing just that. They just, they take up space, they make a hole and Michael Parsons is just going right through and knocking that running back down behind the line, getting his sacks, just, if he keeps this up, he will win MVP. Maybe, maybe unanimous. I won't go that far and I'm a Cowboys fan. But defensive player of the year, again, we're two weeks in. A mm-hmm. lot could change, but uh, oh, I'm loving it. I'm loving mm-hmm. this. I'm loving this team right now. I'm sure you I'm, are. I'm, sh- I'm sure they'll break my heart. I'm uh, sure I'll come I on mean, to this they, podcast. And, look, they will just enjoy it. Yeah, I'm just gonna enjoy this bad because uh, not much to enjoy with the Cowboys the last couple of years. So I am gonna be happy that Dan Quinn is still around. <laughs> All of it. So. Um, anything on the Jets you kind of want to touch on? How are you feeling about Zach Wilson? Uh, the, the Jets are the Jets. <laughs> what are you going to, you know, like, I think Zach Wilson will do enough just to keep this team afloat. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like, I love Robert Sala. Uh, I don't remember the guy's name even after watching Hard Knocks, but, like, the, their DC seems like a really fun coach to play for yep. and whatnot. Um, but, It's it's the Jets. Yeah. The Jets. That's all I got. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's the J-E-T-S Jets. So go Cowboys. Let's go Cowboys. Yeah. Let's freaking go. Let's freaking go. 49ers and Rams. This was a closer game than I think people were expecting, but it was still very much. It was funny. It was the Rams were at home, but all I saw was just a sea of red in this game. All 49ers fans in there. Um, And uh, I'll say this about the Rams. I think they're playing much better than what people had them pegged as. And I think that has to go back to the fact that despite not having Cooper Cup, uh, Puka Nakua at 2-2 Atwell at receiver, um, as well as uh, Kyron Williams, who's kind of came out this game as well, having a touchdown of his own. Some guys that uh, we had not heard of before going into this game all of a sudden showing that, hey, they're pretty good receivers and uh, McVay knows how to utilize them. And I think we uh, I think we uh, gravely exaggerated the demise of Matthew Stafford. I know stat-wise he had a touchdown and two interceptions, but uh, he really moved the ball a lot. Um, but in the end, this 49er squad just looks really, really good. There were some concerns of maybe, you know, there's more tape on him now. So maybe Brock Purdy wasn't going to be as good. And plus, he's coming off of that Tommy John surgery or whatever that elbow injury was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe he's not going to be the same player. Um, but uh, boy, this 49ers team also on defense as well. Um, Brandon Ayuk uh, had a really solid first week. Um, and in this game, didn't have as, as great of a game, but still contributed. Devo Samuel started to come back to his form a little bit, being used as a dual threat in terms of being able to catch out of the backfield and also run. Um, Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey. That's uh, can, that's a given for the 49ers. Um, but the Rams really put up a good fight and made it close. Um, unfortunately for the Rams, the 49ers were able to pull away the victory. Uh, your thoughts on this one? Just, you know, you're talking about Brock Purdy. Um, like, people... I don't know, like, it seems like some people are like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be, like, the next best thing. It's like, no, he's, like, look, 
there's a reason he he was picked Mr. Irrelevant. Okay. Like you're picked in the place in the draft where teams feel like where these GMs feel like these scouts feel like that's just where you're gonna be. That's just the type of player you're gonna be for your career. So if he was dominant, like he would have been a first, second, third round player, you know? So Brock Purdy is doing just enough to get the Niners a win, which is perfect. And you're 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 gonna hate me for this. You're gonna oh. hate me for what I'm about to say. Oh boy. But like you could it's look barely a year in, not even a full year as a starter. So I even feel I don't even feel right comparing this guy, comparing Purdy to this guy. Oh. But it is very similar to when Brady came around in New England. Okay. I'm not saying he's Tom Brady at all, but right. you look at the first circumstances. You yes. look at the first 10 years of Tom Brady's career, they're average. Mm-hmm. At, you know, good About, at, I, I, good, I think better. Yeah, I think good he's good. Best, yeah. You know, not so, goat levels where he ended up being, but he like, was still a very good quarterback. Very good quarterback, got three Super Bowl rings. It wasn't until like Randy Moss and Wes Welker showed up that he became Tom Brady. Yep. Gronk and Edelman, yeah. Exactly. Like, you saw glimpses of it, especially that drive in the first Super Bowl against the Rams to get it in Vinatieri. Like, that drive is one of the better Super Bowl drives ever. Mm -hmm. But Brock Purdy, it's – but, you know, especially those first few years for Brady, he was doing just enough to get the Patriots a win. He was game managing. He was managing the clock. He was – marching his way downfield just to get into Vinatieri's range. Brock Purdy's doing that. He's doing just enough. He's got, he's, you know, he's given the ball to Christian McCaffrey 20 times. Like, you know, I said that about Derrick Henry. Christian McCaffrey got the ball 20 times for 116 yards. And just, he's doing enough to win. He's not turning the ball over. He, uh, you know, like, there's nothing else I can say. It's just that he's just doing what the Niners are asking him to do, and they're winning because of it. Yep. Yep, he's he's being a good game manager, and he fits into the Shanahan system very well. Um, and obviously there's a reason why they kept him around and traded Trey Lance over to the Cowboys. Future um, starting quarterback, yeah. He's not going to be the future starting quarterback. It's just a negotiating play. That's all it is. But – it's an expensive uh, negotiating play. It's a fourth round pick. It's not that <laughs> expensive. It's, it was expensive for 49ers. Like, and I heard the, I heard the, oh, if it was any other GM or coach, they would be fired because they gave up three first rounders for him. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you know this is the San Francisco 49ers we're talking about? Yeah. Do you know that team that went to the conference champion, conference championship, went to a Super Bowl? Like, this is a team that, is always in competition for a Super Bowl. Why would you fire those people? Because of that, admittedly, yes, a bad decision to give up that many assets for uh, Trey Lance, but it wasn't like they were giving it up and then all of a sudden they're now out of a uh, competition, right? This yeah. is They're still very much, they are in at least the top five of the NFL conversation, oh, San yeah. Francisco 49ers. So, I thought that stuff about them, like they should be firing the GM or the head coach for decisions like this was a no. little bit exaggerated. It's no. like, guys, this is the 49ers. This is a team like if 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 let's say Belichick 
after the three Super Bowls, the first three Super Bowls, decides, you know what, we need a new quarterback. We're going to trade three first rounders so we could uh, trade up so we could get Jamarcus Russell. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, Jamarcus Russell doesn't turn out. Is is Bill Belichick going to be fired because Jamarcus Russell didn't pull out, or are they going to continue to use utilize him because he won three Super Bowls? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's let's yeah. let's just you know. No, I get. Yeah, I get it. it. It's like it's like I I, and I understand like other teams. Yes, they would get fired, but this is a 49ers team that has been consistently they're, competitive. They're in the so, upper echelon of the NFL right now. Yeah, there's yeah. no signs of them falling off anytime soon. So let's pump the brakes a little bit. Um. So yeah, all that to say, the 49ers came in. They won. They are clearly a favorite in the NFC. Um, to win that, not only the division, but potentially even that conference. Um, mm. And so uh, all eyes on them uh, through the next couple of weeks. Uh, final game from the 4 o'clock slot before you get into our primetime games. We're going to talk about a wild one between the Washington Commanders and the Denver Broncos. The Broncos were up 21-3 early, <laughs> but then the Commanders were able to come storm back, back. Storm back off of the back of Brian Robinson Jr., uh, 19, 93 yards, uh, carries, uh, two touchdowns, 19 carries. Um, and, uh, it's the script writers couldn't have done this any better, my friend, because Russell Wilson, by God, it's the final play of the game. He chucks the hail Mary and they actually catch the ball and get the touchdown. Oh my God. It, it bounces around. He catches it. Oh my God. We're going to go to overtime. But the script writer said, nah, there's a twist in this story. You are not going to go to overtime because you are going to blow it on the two-point conversion. Oh. And just like that, after one of the most incredible Hail Marys I think I've ever seen in terms of just how much it bounced and uh, was caught, unbelievable, it ends on a flat finish where uh, we're not even going to overtime from that Hail Mary. They are not able to capitalize on the two-point conversion. Which kind of uh, summarizes really the Denver Broncos at this stage, starting off zero and two, despite yeah. Sean Payton as head coach. Um, where do we kind of stand with the Broncos and where Russell Wilson is at? I'm interested to hear your thoughts on him. I'm just saying, with what happened with this hell Mary, with the failed two point conversion, it's karma for the fail Mary. I know he didn't catch the ball, but I just feel like that whole Seahawks team deserved had some karma. That was going to come up against them. And this was Wilson's time. So <laughs> that's just what I wanted to say about that. Um, the Broncos are a weird team, man. Like, it's, I don't know what to think of them. Like, every, you know, at work, like, I drive a forklift, so I spend a lot of time just kind of in my own little bubble just thinking about some random things. And a lot of the times I'm just thinking about, well, what I think about this team, what I think about that team. And whenever I think about the Broncos, I don't know what to think. I just don't know what to think. Like, are they good? Are they bad? Are they middle of the road? Are they a defensive team? Are they going to be an offensive juggernaut? Like, I just don't know what this team is. Mm -hmm. This team has no identity. And it's like, I just don't know what to think of it. And I just... Like, literally, when I think Broncos, my mind goes blank. I just don't. Because I just, I literally don't know what to think about this team. Yes. You heard it here for, first, folks. 
forklift certified Mike Sarkeesian, <laughs> not able to determine uh, the Denver Broncos and what they are. But do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, I can't read them either. They're, they're so tough because it's like that last year was just so crazy with Russell coming in and just not playing at that Russell Wilson level. Now this year, I could tell he's better this year. So um, far, yeah. So far. I could tell he's better. Um, and again, I, I think there are players here for the Broncos, but I just, I don't know. I just, I, just, it, I don't know. They're, they're just a tough read. Um, and I, I, I look at it as like, I think they're better. I think they're a better team this year, but I'm it's, also it's, like, uh, maybe yeah. they're not <laughs> like, it's literally but, like, I think it's but maybe not question mark. Yeah. With a big like, old question mark. Like, I don't know what else to say. You know, yeah. I want to go go on and on about this, but it's like I don't. Know. Yeah. By the way, a big shout out to Marvin Mims Jr. Two catches, 113 yards receiving. Uh, go two off. catches, yeah, going off a six, including a 60 yarder with a touchdown. Uh, so good for him, Marvin good Mims Jr. Him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and in the case of the Washington Commanders, they're always a weird team because I like the players that they have. Like, I like that defensive line, and mm -hmm. I think they have good receivers. Terry McLaurin, I always uh, wax poetic about him. I think he's very underrated. Um, and I think they have Brian Robinson there. That's a solid back. They yeah. could be a wide receiver one. Starting to eclipse Antonio Gibson there. Yeah. Um, and Hal has played decently well for the opportunities that have been given to him. Not amazing, but enough to really he's, he's, keep his teams in it. He's doing what the enemies asking him to do and they're winning games yeah it's like the brock purdy thing i i know that's two very different situations but he's doing what he's being asked to do and they're winning games so just continue to do this yeah so with that we're gonna go to the sunday night football game we're gonna talk about your team here mike yeah i need, I need some answers to some questions here man about the patriots uh, right. How does it feel to be 0-2 to start the year, first of all? Well, I'll just say this. I've never experienced this in my life. No. Yeah. This is this is the first for me, so I don't really know it what sucks, to say. doesn't it? So, so Gibby, like, how does it feel to How do you <laughs> deal with your team being 0-2? Well, you suck it <laughs> you up, know? and you're going to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Like, all the years of mockery of my Cowboys <laughs> and all their 0-2 starts. You're going to have to figure it out yourself. Yeah, I've I've gone through this once or twice, so now you have to go through this with this so, uh, Brady regime or this Belichick regime. Yeah, I, I'll just give you know my quick opinion about Mac Jones looks better this year with Bill O'Brien as his, an actual offensive coach yep. coaching him, which I don't even want to get to that. I don't <laughs> even want to talk about that. Yeah, um, we're moving on from last year. The with problem is, is when it comes down to it that. You know he's he can't seem to make the 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 need to throws. You know he can't. He's the clutch throws. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. He can't. It's he just can't make the clutch throws. And like thirty-one for forty-two is fine. Two hundred and thirty-one yards is fine. Obviously, the one interception is the problem. Uh, but he also did put up a touchdown to to Hunter Henry. Uh, but it's just he needs to be better in the clutch. He needs to be better in the red zone. 
And that's going to be the problem, I think, that's going to haunt the Patriots probably all season, in my mind, for some reason. Mm-hmm. I just think that's that's just going to be the biggest problem that they're going to have. I'll tell you one thing about the Patriots. I think you got a good player in Christian Gonzalez at defensive back. He oh, man. This game. I think he's a good player. And, like, he was – hey, he was sticking with Tyreek, man. Tyreek's yep. fast. We all he's know. He's very fast. He's very fast. And yes. he was sticking with him. Yep. And I was a little not sure how I felt about that when I realized that they're going to have Gonzalez on Hill pretty much all game. I was like, okay, I mean, like, I guess that's one way to get the rookie, you know, welcome to the NFL. Let's mm-hmm. go guard Tyreek Hill. But, I mean, like – Five catches for 40 yards. He got the touchdown. Yeah, but that was a goal line. Like That was a goal two, line. Two, two extended the play. And... Yeah, so like that's not on Gonzalez at all. And then like Tua heaved it up to, to, to Tyreek. And then uh, Gonzo, I think is what they're calling him. Gonzo just yep. came down with it. And I'm like, okay. Okay, you know, like this, the, um, this is – could be the next great Patriots cornerback. You know, it started with Ty Law, then it went to um, Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore, and then we had some guys in between. We had Asante Samuel for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malcolm Butler had put together some pretty good seasons with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like Gonzo is going to be like the next great Patriots cornerback. Uh, so it's going to be exciting to see. Finally, a guy that can uh, – we get a guy that can lock down on the number one receiver for any team and just, you know, like you're able to keep Tyreek Hill under 50 yards. Mm-hmm. You had a good game. Yes. You know? So. Yep. It was, I, fun, and it was fun watching him. Yep. The Dolphins were off to a, a strong start in the first half and really didn't look back. Um, yeah. I – you know me. I love this Dolphins team. I love being my Mike McDaniel. I think that guy, <laughs> not only is he just a character, but I also think he's just a good offensive-minded head coach. Oh, yeah. Um, And he really knows how to utilize his players, and it's pretty clear to me how much Tua kind of factors into his offense and how much he wants him to succeed. And having those weapons of Jalen Waddell and, and Tyreek really help out a lot. Yeah. Um, and so uh, – I think the Dolphins will continue to be a wild card team that could sneak in. Uh, you know, the, the Bills will probably win their division. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. but I think that there's a chance for the Dolphins to really sneak into the wild card and get something. So, um, you know, the Sunday nighter really wasn't that exciting. Wasn't a great primetime game, but uh, they were able to get the victory there. And also we got an all-time great Bill Belichick moment with him <laughs> throwing the challenge flag. Well, I... I thought you were going to – like, that was a great moment, obviously, but I thought you were going to talk about the block. That too? Oh, the like, timing of the block as well, like, yes. Like, you know, we can't get into that – well, I mean, we will we can get into it a little bit, but, like, go – I guess a little bit of a name drop, shout-out, whatever. Go over to Pat McAfee, watch him decipher this play yeah. and listen to him. Like you can tell that this guy's a special team expert, a punt. You know, obviously he was a punter, really good punter for a long time. Mm-hmm. Just go w- watch him d- and break down this play. Yeah, you sent me the video, and 
only a punter kicker would be able to break down this play. Yeah, for it's sure. Really fun to watch. Just you know, just go over and take a you know take a watch because like that was really fun to to see a guy who was you know Pro Bowl All Pro punter break down just what looked like a normal type block. Obviously, it didn't start out looking very normal because of the running start, but like it was, it's just a really fun watch. Yeah, for sure. And to wrap up week two, what we're going to do is we're going to do it ESPN style, the way they did it for Monday Night Football. Have two games at once we're going to cover. Uh, New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns. The Steelers and Browns game was more exciting, but more because the defenses really came to play. The Steelers-Browns. Saints and Panthers wasn't really that exciting, other than that amazing catch from Chris Olave. Might be a catch-of-the-year candidate. Um, but uh, the Saints are able to come away with a victory in that game, uh, and uh, they go 2-0. and They were a team that looked like they were probably going to win their division. And the case of the Steelers and the Browns, um, the Steelers uh, were just able to take advantage of some defensive lapses. Deshaun Watson did not have a great game. No. I feel like I've been saying that a lot with him, um, and uh, just took, it, took advantage of a lot of opportunities, yeah. including the final fumble from TJ uh, with TJ Watt picking it up. And bring yeah. it all the way for a touchdown. Uh, Nick Chubb, unfortunately, a gruesome uh, injury uh, yeah. out for that the was, year. You know, Sucks. like what else can we? There's nothing else to really talk about this game other than that unfortunate injury and like, um, just you know, you you got to feel for the guy. The guy was finally like, you know, he got paid, he got what he deserved, and then just the worst thing that could happen for a running back and the the worst part about it if this couldn't get worse is this was the same knee that he totally blew up in college yep you know so like who knows what this knee's gonna look like in in a year yeah who knows if he'll be able to ever truly run properly again because i'm hearing that it was a full dislocation with multiple multiple ligament damage yeah which is so there's people that don't come back from that no normal people don't come back from that can nick chubb come back from that we'll see but it's like i honestly there's deshaun watson has a terrible terrible game you know like he it for the cleveland browns to have a good season and to have a good future he cannot be the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. No. He uh, is he's not a good football player anymore. He's not a good person. Let's yeah. just get that out of the way. Yep. Can't stand him for what he did off the field. Mm-hmm. And I just he's just not good. The fact yeah. that the Cleveland Browns paid so much to get him and then gave him a contract is you get what you deserve. But yep. there's still a chance for you to save yourself and to get rid of this guy. That's really all I want to say about the Cleveland Browns, you know, like, yeah, just, I don't know. I kind of, I almost, I almost, I lost respect for the franchise when they traded for him. Yep. I really did. And then gave him that massive contract. And then gave him the money. It's yeah. like, I, 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 you were, you know, like when Baker was there, like I was like, I was kind of, I was rooting for you. I'm like, yeah, this is a fun team to watch. Nick Chubb is like, oh my God. And then they, all of a sudden Baker becomes public enemy number one and they trade for Deshaun Watson, who is my public enemy number one. Yep. And it just, I don't 
I don't know where this team's going. Yep. It's going to be tough for the Browns. Uh, they did. It sounds like they did contact Kareem Hunt, see if he's interested in coming back to the squad. And I mean, he knows the offense, so it, it'd probably be a nice fit, and he'll absolutely be a running back one with, with Chubb gone. Oh, yeah. Um, but but Jerome Ford was in there, and he made the most of his <laughs> well, opportunities. I, yeah, speaking of Jerome Ford, I just want to say quickly, I just noticed on our fantasy league, you picked him up. did. And started ago. him. And you started him. Yeah. I mean, did you – Football gods tell you something? Let's say I have access to a script writer uh, oh, in the yeah. NFL. That's what it is. Oh my I got that. No. Bloody yeah, script no. writers. Yeah, no. No, I uh, I was just more like, man, I need, I a, need a guy. Back. I need a running back. And uh, I'm sure I remember who I had on my team, but one of the other running backs was injured, I believe. Or actually, yeah. I had uh, Dobbins, I think. And uh, oh yeah, I have, I have I have too many fantasy teams, so I can't keep track. That's fair. But, uh, but uh, I know I picked up Ford because I was low on running backs. I'm like, you know what? Uh, the the Browns love running the ball, and they can't rely on Chubb all the time. So maybe I'll throw in Jerome Ford and see what happens. And uh, this was not what I wanted, for the record. I know, um, I know. But uh, I will say, uh, I look like a genius starting him at running back. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I guess I had the uh, wherewithal. I wish I could have sent that message to Nick Chubb. Uh, and in the case of the Saints and the Panthers, Bryce Young didn't look too great, I thought. Um, I think it's going to be real tough uh, with that. There's a lot of rookies on this team, and uh, I know they try to build some veterans around him, but mm-hmm. uh, I just don't think this Panthers team is very good. Um, and I think much like the Texans, I still think there's work to be done for the Panthers to kind of build um, and in the case of the Saints, you know, there's been a lot of questions about Derek Carr and what he's able to do. Is he still like a lot of people put him in the underrated category? Um, mm-hmm. I will say if they continue to throw to Olave uh, and continue to utilize him, and once Kamara gets back in the, into the fold, uh, I think there's a good team there. But uh, yeah, I agree with that. I just get get the ball to your playmakers. You know, yep. like. It's easier said than done. I understand that. Don't come at me for being for saying something like that. But like, you got to get the ball to your playmakers. And Chris Olave is turning into a real nice wide receiver number one. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I picked him up in a lot of fantasy leagues. As well. <laughs> a lot of fantasy leagues. I love me my Chris Olave. So yeah. Um, and with that, that's all of week two. We've recapped yeah. all of week two. To wrap things up, we're going to rapid fire our week three picks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's do a quick rapid fire with these. Because uh, we have went so long on this. It always seems to happen with the football podcast. It does. Podcast. It does. I even pro- I promised my girlfriend, oh, yeah, it won't be that long. <laughs> and, and we always end up. I apologize. You could you could you could put the blame on me. Uh, you can put the blame on me. It's on me. It's on just just on be both. like oh just be like oh Zach he, that guy just does not talk just because he hosts a podcast he thinks he just talk for so long. <laughs> but uh, let's just go through week three. We'll yep. start off with a Thursday nighter. 49ers and Giants. Your pick. I mean, like look. Sometimes I I, I love the other dog. I love an underdog story, but like. I'm also a smart person, or at least I like to think I'm a smart person. You <laughs> yes. got to go with the Niners on this one. Yes, it's like I'm I'm picking Niners by a t- by like I'm picking Niners by ten. Yeah, well, I I am also going to pick the Niners here. Uh, I like to think you're a smart person as well because I have you on this podcast. It's a thank you. Football. So, 
Uh, yeah, I got the 49ers over the Giants. Uh, I do not think we're going to see some <laughs> second half heroics for the Giants no. uh, this this time around. I think this 49ers squad is going to really put a stomp to them. Into the one o'clock set of games, Falcons and Lions, your pick. I mean, you know how I feel about the Lions, man. Uh, I'm going to go with them um, at, at home. You know, finally a sold-out crowd at Ford Field. Like, give me the Lions, uh, you know, almost. Give me the Lions by a touchdown. Like it. I like yeah. it. I'm also picking the Lions. No disagreement from me there. I'm just not the biggest Falcons guy. Bijan could really do some damage, but. Uh, There's just something about that the Falcons team that's like, yeah. I gotta see more. I gotta yeah. see more. Yeah, absolutely. And utilize your weapons that you have. At least they're doing that with Bijan. I will say that. Bijan so, and, and Drake London seem to be yes. working out pretty good. Yes. Just don't mention Kyle Pitts. There might be some shakes involved Ooh. there. But um, <laughs> let's go talk about the two teams we keep comparing each other to: the Chargers and the Vikings. Your pick. Chargers and Vikings. That's a two zero and two teams. Definitely, like, whatever team loses this game is in trouble. Yes. Potentially missing playoffs and almost a total change of the organization, whether that's a coach or whether that's the quarterback. I'm going to go with the Chargers on this one. I just think I feel so bad for Justin Jefferson because he's basically my favorite player in the league right now. And for him to go 0-3, I just feel so bad for him because, like, it's just he doesn't good. I hate seeing good players on bad teams. Like we obviously grew up with Megatron on the Lions for the longest time. Yeah. Um but I'm still I'm going with the Chargers. I think it's just more a complete team. I'm gonna go with the Vikings. Okay. Uh, I I, right. I I think it is a coin flip between these two teams. Um, but I think the Vikings, if they get off to a hotter start, uh, I think they're just the better team. Okay. Uh, I, I I like the pieces that they have more. Um, the Chargers, I just feel they they crumble when the pressure is on them, and I think uh, I I just like the offense a little bit more for the Vikings. So I'm gonna pick the okay. Minnesota Vikings here. But it really is a coin flip. Like it's a I coin think, flip. It's a pick 'em. It's a yeah, pick 'em game. It, it very much is a pick 'em. Yeah. Uh, Saints and Packers, your pick. Saints Packers. Um, hmm. I'm gonna go with the Saints on this one. Saints are gonna go three and zero, and the Packers are gonna lose, but not because of Jordan Love. Jordan Love is gonna yeah. put pro- probably put together his best game so far in his career. Like I'm talking, like possibly, you know, pushing around 350 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but just that that Saints team, like I just said, get the ball to Chris Olave, and you, you will win football games. Yeah. My gut is telling me to go Packers here. The smart pick is Saints, but I, I'll be honest. I I was thinking Packers. Yeah, I wouldn't I, necessarily call this a pick 'em, but right. like I, I don't, don't know. know. I I I I kind of like the Packers in this. They'll have some weapons back. I assume they'll have Aaron Jones back, mm-hmm. and maybe they'll have Christian Watson back. I I I kind of like them, and I and I like this Packers defense no. to make the stop against the Saints. Hey, go so, off, man! So I, <laughs> I I will go off, go and off. I will pick I will pick the Green Bay Packers. It's the Packers, um, Texans and Jaguars, you pick. Jags. Yeah, yeah, not Jags. much else to say. Look, man, I like I just said, I love C.J. Stroud. I think he could be a really good quarterback, but it's Texans. Texans are not going to win a lot this year. No. 
Jags, Jags are gonna Jags are gonna win the division. Trevor Lawrence is gonna put up put up some great numbers, get his confidence back up a little bit, and Jags were gonna be able to Yeah, I'm also picking the Jags where a lot of you said it's no no surprise uh, there. I, I think this is a pretty <laughs> simple victory for them. Broncos and Dolphins, your pick. Broncos, Dolphins. Um Patriots fan hard to pick teams in my division because <laughs> I want them to have the best chances. They're 0 2, so I don't know what's going on right now, but I will be picking the Dolphins. So the Broncos are going to go 0 and 3. With and I'm in the same ballpark as well. Yeah. Yeah. Bron- uh, the Dolphins are going to beat the Broncos. And I think uh, I think you're going to not only see that, I think uh, the Dolphins are going to outcoach the Broncos as well. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be pretty evident. I mean, too. you know what? I, I, said, I said oof, but I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. I, I think Mike McDaniel is going to outcoach Sean Payton. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, moving on, we'll go to Titans and Browns, your pick. I mean, I just said what I said about the Browns. I obviously don't, you know, and I don't have respect for that organization anymore. Uh, Nick, their best player is done for the season. And, you know, because of that, Browns are almost, it's like a you let the air out of the balloon. You know, the balloon's popped. So the Titans are just going to claw and grind and grind and pound the rock down the throat, giving the Titans. Yeah, I'm also going to pick the Titans here. Uh, I think it'll be close between the, both these squads. Um, but uh, I, I like the Titans to just edge out the Browns. Here. Yeah. Um, it won't be by much. I could see a plus minus of three here. Um, yeah, like the Titans are, I don't think the Titans are going to blow any of their opponents this year, but no. I think they're going to win a lot of football. Yeah, they'll they'll make their games close. Oh, yeah. Um, Bills and Commanders, your pick. Bills, Commanders. This might shock you. Ooh, all right. I'm interested to hear why you're picking the Commanders. I just... There's something about Josh Allen that I'm kind of off the hype train with him a little. Okay. Because he either plays like he's the greatest quarterback of all time, better than Montana, better than Brady, and then there's other times he plays like he's Jamarcus Russell or Ryan. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just kind of taking a shot in the dark saying that, you know what? It's literally going to be a flip-flop. Week one, he played like Ryan Leaf. Week two, played like Tom Brady. Week three, he will play like Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> it's, that's, I'm just seeing, trying to find a pattern with him. So I'm going to – this is – no one is going to agree with me, but I am picking the commanders with this game. I think you're uh, one of the lone people there picking the commanders. I certainly am not picking the commanders. <laughs> I am picking the bills. The thing you mentioned with Josh Allen, I think it's more that gunslinger mentality. He loves to throw that football. And uh, when you have a gunslinger quarterback, they're bound to make some mistakes. Uh, and Josh Allen has certainly shown he can make some mistakes. It's, um, it's Yeah. It's just, he doesn't make just one mistake. He makes several mistakes. Yeah. So it's it's, you know who uh, he reminds me of? He reminds me of Brett Favre in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, hundred percent. He's the where, gunslinger. Yeah, where he, where he he'll just chuck it into space and he'll throw make these unbelievable throws, and then there's other throws that Favre will make. And you're like, why did you why? make that pass? Oh, always, always. But that's the high risk play that you get with Josh. Oh Allen, yes, so. and I'm not discrediting him at all. It's just that I'm starting to notice it a little bit more, and yeah. my gut is almost telling me to go with the commanders yeah yeah um 
So uh, moving on, let's go to the Colts and Ravens, your pick. Well, I mean, if they don't have Anthony Richardson, the Colts, I don't think. I love me some Gardner Minshew, but I don't think the Colts have a chance in hell against the Ravens. And I know I'm not the biggest Lamar Jackson fan or John Harbaugh fan, but I'm, I'm just going to pick the Ravens in this game. Just Yeah. Ravens yeah. are cooking. Ravens are cooking. I will also be picking the Ravens here, even if mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson was back. Um, I, I think that the Ravens are just a really well-built team. Um, the thing that just kind of holds them back is that they just get injured so much yeah. last couple of seasons. Like this, this is a J. team J. that Dobbs. could compete. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins is just carrying his Achilles. It's just oh, brutal. Yeah. So, it is. Uh, but I, I, I have faith in this uh, Ravens squad to. Uh, comp- to be competitive, Patriots yeah. and Jets. Who oh, gee, who I'm picking in this game? I, I, hmm. I, I don't know. Hmm. Really, uh, I mean, stroking the beard that, here. That's we're gonna get from, uh, first win of the season, baby. Just Let's going go. to Jets. Fifteen straight wins against the Jets. I think I saw something about that. Nice. I think I saw that. Hang on. I feel like I gotta check myself before I wreck <laughs> myself right now. I saw. Well, well 14- I'll let you check that. Okay. Uh, I am also going to pick the Patriots here to beat the Jets. Mm. Um, I think the big weakness for the Jets, I think that defense is good. It's just a matter of, I think, in the Jets' offense, Zach Wilson will just get overwhelmed with some good defenses. And Bill Belichick is going to run circles around him. I said this about Micah Parsons last week. If there's any sort of uh, it factor on defense, they are going to overwhelm Zach Wilson. We've just seen it time and time again with him. Um, and so and, I'm going to pick the Patriots. And watching Gonzo versus Garrett Wilson, yes, a battle that will probably could we could see for the like the next ten years. Yep, it's going to be fun to watch. That could be very fun. Yeah. Uh. So uh, also, I did see Garrett Wilson did mention 14 game skid against the Jets uh, against the Patriots mm. is unacceptable. Is what he said. So there you go. So it's going to be 15. Wilson. <laughs> there you go. There Anyways. you go. Anyways, uh, oh, you said this one. Uh, Panthers, Seahawks into the four o'clock games. Oh, Your pick. Bryce won. Bryce Young gets his first win as a pro. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I'm going I with like it. it. Uh, I like it. You know what? It's going to be real difficult to do it in Seattle. I understand that, but I think goes in gets his first win. How about that? Uh, I'm not going to be as bold. <laughs> I am going to pick Seattle. Um, I, hey, I you think, you know me. You know I like to pick a little bit of the yeah, unconventional ones. You you love your underdogs. You love yeah. your, your crazy wild picks, and <laughs> you at least explain yourself well. That's why I bring you back on. You All right, I, mean? I appreciate that. You know, I doesn't mean I agree, but <laughs> no, it, but, I, but I can. You're I'm like, All right, I, no, of course not. But that's what if this podcast would be boring if we just agreed with each other all the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I can at least. Listen, I, I can understand a thought process, right? It's like, okay, I can see where he made that conclusion. You're still wrong, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, 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 I can agree with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, can, I can see where, you, where you're coming from. Uh, yeah. I am picking the Seahawks here. Okay. Uh, I, okay. Yeah. I think Bryce Dunn's going to get overwhelmed in Seattle. Um, I think the Seattle team is better than some are giving them credit for. And well, I they're think very office, good. They and, are a good team. And uh, their linebacker there, uh, I think, is injured. Uh, he was out of the game. Uh, oh, Shaq Thompson. Yeah, Shaq Thompson. I believe. Oh, I totally forgot too. about that. 
Yeah, so I think that's also going to be a factor as well. So. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to stand by my guns. <laughs> love it. Even with the new information, it's like, you, nope, I'm mm-hmm. sticking by it. I love it. Uh, a little bit of a gulp there, I noticed, but uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, can appreciate, I can appreciate you sticking by it. Um, so I am picking yeah. Seahawks here. All right. Uh, Bears and Chiefs, your pick. Chiefs, next. Yeah, yeah the Chiefs next. are going to obliterate the Bears. Come on, man. Yeah. You don't think Justin Fields is going to go off for 400 yards passing on the Chiefs? Or I mean, he might put 400 yards on the ground. <laughs> yes. The way that but Patrick Mahomes is going to put 500 in the air. So, yeah. like, not much you can do there, but Yeah. Uh, Cowboys-Cardinals, your pick. Oh, how badly I want to say Cardinals right now. You're not but being serious. If you I'm pick not. The no, look. I know I like like I said, I think I said it earlier about another game. I love me some underdogs, but sometimes you gotta go with the smart pick. Yeah. You know, it's the Cowboys. Micah Parsons. Yeah. Micah Parsons is gonna have like four sacks in this game. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. Uh, uh I, I am so looking forward to it. Cannot wait for this defense to show out again when the Cowboys absolutely obliterate and dominate the Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. Very good teams beat the bad teams, Mike Sarkeesian. It is. That's how it is. Yeah. So, uh, Sunday night football game: Steelers and Raiders. Okay, so I got a buddy of mine that is a big Steelers fan. All right. Mm-hmm. He despises Matt Canada, the OC for the Pittsburgh yes. Steelers. Oh, so I, 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 did, I did not go into him enough in our Steelers. Yeah, game. he's a bad so, offensive coordinator. So I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna be picking against them just so that they can lose. So Matt Canada gets fired because I know he would love that. So I'm going with the Raiders. And it's not just because, you know, my uh, because of my buddy. It's just I do think the Raiders just, you know, like these teams are very equal right now. But I just think the Raiders uh, with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback is just a more experienced. Um, and then I think he's got better weapons on his end. Yeah, I, 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 I did not lay into Matt Canada enough. I think he's <laughs> a bad offensive coordinator. Um, and uh, there was some fire Canada chance uh, yep. over taking this, uh, the Monday nighter this past uh, Monday. Yep. Um, and so uh, I think it's loud and clear. I don't think they're helping Kenny Pickett at all with Canada still in there. Um, I saw Tomlin responded to it and he gave the classic Tomlin answer of, I love the passion of our fans and I love that they're able to respond and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. A uh, big old giant nothing burger. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I having said all of that, I'm not a Raiders guy. Uh, I am going to pick the Steelers here. Okay. Uh, I, I, I just, you know, I, I really like Devonte Adams. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like him. And it's- I just, I just not a Raiders the, guy. The I def- just, look, Pittsburgh's defense is amazing. Yes, uh, was it Highsmith? Yep. Who is an awesome compliment to probably the best pass rusher in the league right now, in TJ Watt. When I know he's not just a pass rusher, but he's still the best in the league. Um, it's that offense, man. Like that offense will be lucky if they get 17 points yeah. this Monday. Yeah, <laughs> and it's frustrating because I see glimpses of. of- brilliance with Pickett, and i am a Pickett supporter and pickens Pickett to pickens and, and like, pickens yeah like, like that combination is gonna be a solid duo especially with deontay johnson on ir so he's gonna be out for the next couple of yep. games so like yep. they can establish that connection it's just i think matt can is just such a bad play caller that 
I'll be honest, I didn't think it was this bad, but ever since my buddy's been telling me about it, I've been paying attention to it a lot more. And I'm like, oh my God, it is that bad. Last last year, I I last year I I kept hearing about it. And I and I would watch the games like, man, they are just not doing any favors for I call better game on I call a better game on Madden. Let's be (laughs) honest. Yes. (laughs) And I don't get paid millions of dollars. You're you're calling the four verts every play call on Madden. Um and uh, <laughs> let's go into it. Another week of two Monday night football games. Let's right, start off with right. the Eagles and Buccaneers, your pick. I mean, the, I don't want to call them imposters, but the Bucks are kind of imposters right now. You know, great uh, two really good wide receivers, but that's kind of all they got right now. Still a really solid pass rush with Shaq Barrett, but I'm still going with the Eagles, like, they will – what I love about the Eagles is that, especially with that offense, is it doesn't matter how they win. If they if Jalen Hurts is to throw the ball 40 times to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, he will do that. If he needs to turn around and hand the ball off 25 times to his plethora of running backs, they will do it. And we saw that with Devontae, uh, DeAndre Swift. Getting 175 yards, they, they they do what it takes to win, and just they'll figure out how to slow down that pass rush, and then they'll just pick apart that defense. So I'm going with the Eagles. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the Eagles as well. Reluctantly, Ooh. reluctantly, I hate it. I I I just puked a little bit by saying that, but <laughs> uh, I am also going to pick the Eagles. Yeah, um, I they're just a they're such a well built team. They're just a strong team, and like I, I know Kansas City won the Super Bowl, and I know you kind of keep Eagles are the best team. I know. I know, I know that hurts to, yeah. for you to agree with that. I, I want to say San and Francisco, I'm not, and I'm not saying that just because you're a Cowboys fan. Like, yes. I'm really not. I'm really <laughs> not. I just this team is so good. Yeah, it's. I so I, good. I really want to counter obviously with Dallas, but more San Francisco. Yeah, because they're the more well-rounded team. Dallas yeah, is just yeah. really strong on defense. I would argue they're the best defense in the league. <laughs> Dallas um, definitely has the best defense. I will agree yeah. with you on that. Nothing. The offense that. just needs to catch it's, up. The um, offense needs to catch up. Yeah, where it's, I don't think it's a bad offense, but it's not exactly a game-wrecking offense either. It's, so it's one of those situations where it just can. It, it's good. It could be better. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, and the other Monday nighter, Rams and the Bengals. Your pick. <sighs> I mean, I, I'm going with the Bengals. They need a win. Uh, the Rams, especially if they don't have Cup. I know Puka, Puka Nakua is, you know, really going off right now. Tutu Atwell is doing really well. Uh, even Van Jefferson's a solid, you know, third, second, third option. Um, but my, my Bengals need a win, man. <laughs> but, but, you know, Joe Shiesty needs a win. He needs a win bad. Yeah. So I'm going with the prime time. It'll all like they're gonna win, and Joe Burrow's just gonna find a camera anywhere in the stadium and just do the little head nod. To, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna find a random camera and just do the <laughs> little up head nod. Just yeah, I like your thought process, yeah. Mike. I like it. You don't I agree understand with it. it? I don't agree with it. I don't agree with I'm it. gonna go with the Rams. You're picking the you're having the Bengals go to 0 and 3. 
Yes, I am. I know it's bold. It's but... very bold, but I, you know what? I can see it. Yeah, the Bengals have not Let's really impressed it. me. I know they got a little better in the second half uh, in the last game, and yeah. I have questions about Joe Burrow's injury and how healthy he is. Um, I have questions about Zach Taylor's utilization of Jamar Chase in the offense. I have questions about their offensive line, and I think their defense is all right. All right. Uh, I, yeah. I was meanwhile, that secondary was going to be really good this year. Meanwhile, I think the Rams are an underrated unit, and I think, I think they'll really take it to the Bengals. Really? Um, yeah, I really You're do. You're not even picking like a close game. No, they were close with San Francisco. And San Francisco is one, one of the best. And, and I know it's a divisional rival and whatever, yeah. but they were close with them. I could see them going into Cincinnati and, and getting the big victory here. Um, I, I like this Ram squad, and I think the thing that's going to separate them is going to be the coaching. It, it really is with Sean McVay. Um, I think he realizes the players that he's got and he's going to utilize them to their advantage. And one of the things we also have to remember with the Rams, and this is more for the future, but uh, remember all those draft picks that they gave up to get your uh, Jalen Ramsey's, Matthew Stafford's. The, the, the F OBJ's. them picks. The yeah, F exactly. Picks, yeah, exactly. Ones. That uh, strategy. They get their, pits, uh, their picks back next year. They're, all their picks are back uh, from 2024 onwards. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. So think about that. You know, it's a yeah, but it's almost like they're out of practice <laughs> to pick top prospects. Well, I mean, like I don't know. That's that's a dumb. That's a that was a dumb thing to, to look away. You know, a way to look at it. Um, they won a Super Bowl like, with it. They did. So who are, yeah. who are we to say it didn't work? No, you're right. But, they won a Super uh, Bowl. Went to went to, went to two one one under that strategy. Yeah. They did so. Um, so there you go. That's uh, a, a hot, maybe a hot take for me uh, to finish off uh, I, I, the show. It's it's like you said before. I understand your opinion. I just hate it. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> it, just don't like it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know what? <laughs> I could respect that. Uh, but uh, no, I really appreciate you coming on, Mike. Uh, this is a lot of fun. We really went into it. I'm looking at the runtime here. We're pushing it. <laughs> I think it says I'm, two to two and a half hours. I'm so, so tired. Yeah, we really pushed through. This is very different for us. Usually we were recording in the morning based on your schedule, but then hopefully you moved to Ottawa. And... My schedule might change again soon, so hopefully I'll be getting home a bit earlier and we can record a bit earlier. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking forward to that. I will say I want to mention you are wearing a Montreal Expos hat. Sure um, am. Love, love me some Expos. I'm, I, repping. I'm also wearing a itty-bitty pizza delivery T-shirt. Ooh. Shout out! Shout out to the beaches. Very good. We're not getting any sponsorship money. Not getting them. any so sponsorship. Free promo. <laughs> new album out. Check it out. I love love it. There you go. <laughs> um, but uh, the reason why I wanted to point out the Expos uh, hat right. is because I saw the new uh, the news come out about the Tampa Bay Rays and uh, getting a new uh, stadium, and I was like, oh, that uh, yeah. puts a blow to the Montreal Expos because there was at one point. Uh, Maybe the Rays would it, splits it, in Montreal, and it, at one point it looked really good. But yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think Montreal. I don't think baseball is coming back to Montreal uh, anytime soon, which sucks. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Gibby, but I was I had the lucky fortune to being able to go to the very last home game. Really, you've never I, told me this. Actually, I never so. told you that. No, I've been to two Expos game. 
my dad took me to them and my uh one was obviously just another uh, you know regular season yeah my dad brought me to the very last uh home game uh we sat behind third third base uh pretty far up or not that far up still in the first section but far up the first section yeah and they lost nine to one to the florida marlins wow but was this I, 2002 Florida Marlins, like when they went to the World Series? 2004. Or? Well, it was okay, well, 2004 because that. Uh, trust me, I remember that. I remember the year. It was 2004. It was the that was the last year with the Expos. Yeah. Um, so I had the lucky fortune to to go to that game, or I guess the unlucky fortune. Yeah. I don't really know how you want to look at it. Um, <laughs> Man, so much about the Expos and their history, and just you know, talk about 1994 and. Uh, just i don't want to talk about it <laughs> yeah well, um, i'll tell you this my, my dad was a huge expos guy huge baseball yeah. guy and especially the expos oh yeah and could tell you who was in their their system and whatever and then once the expos left he's he, he'll follow baseball he follows the jays enough but you know i, I it's think not the same it's just not the same and uh i follow the jays and i watch them and uh, they just beat the yankees uh yeah. seven to one they're hanging on to the wild card there and I got to go see a Yankees game in New York as well. And yeah, the Yankees yeah, stink, yeah. by the way. Yeah, they they're, do. They're a I, bad baseball happy, team. And I'm happy about it. Oh, I fantastic. Hate the Yankees. Uh, yeah. But uh, really, all it was was Aaron Judge and the other guy that uh, was their rookie player that got injured. Um, yeah. But uh, Dominguez, Jason Dominguez. That's but, it. That's um, it. But uh, I am still holding out hope that we'll get some baseball in Montreal once again. Yeah. I, I think once the Oakland, I think the commissioner uh, said that once the Oakland and Tampa situations are resolved, they'll start to look at expansion. But I don't think Montreal will be at the top of those lists. Uh, I think I, if Canada's the next city to get a next Canadian city to get a team, I think will probably be Vancouver. Vancouver before Montreal. Yeah, because I don't know. There's just. You know, know what? That that's not that far off because I do get a buddy from Vancouver that messaged me all the time about Vancouver Canadians games, and they yeah. always sell a lot of tickets to they those sell Canadians out. games. They sell yeah. out. and like I'm really surprised there's no minor league team in Montreal. For yeah, the, for the MLB to test it out again. Yeah, you know. So, so. They, they 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 as long as they don't go to Olympic Stadium, and that's uh, the problem. That's yeah. the only baseball type field we have, and it yeah. sucks. Didn't one so, of the didn't one of the old owner's sons say, uh, propose a plan to bring a baseball stadium to downtown Montreal? Yeah, there was a plan. I don't remember exactly the location, but it was basically uh, right on the water. So almost like what the San Francisco Giants right. situation is, where they're right on the water. Um, and like, I don't know if he owned the land or if he was going to purchase the land, mm. um, but there was a deal in place. And even the mayor of Montreal said if, if, this gets approved and we get the expos back or baseball team back in Montreal that they will expand the metro lines so create the pink nice. line because there's no metro stations that go out to that area right so they were going to create uh metro lines subway mm -hmm. lines whatever you want to call them yeah to to for people not having to drive down town to get to that stadium yeah so there's just so many balls in the air whatever you want to call it it's Hot flies uh, for a baseball reference. Do I want it to happen? Yes, because I want to say that I went to the last game and then the first game. <laughs> right. You know, that's what right. I want to be able to say. But uh, I don't think it'll. It's, I don't think it's gonna be happening. 
Uh, final question before you round off, because uh, I'm loving this Expos talk. <laughs> Do the Expos come back before 2030? My heart says yes. My brain says probably not. Yeah. That's where that's I'm how, at. Right that's how I'm feeling. I feel like 2027. And uh, yeah. it's like, I feel like it's either 2027, 2028 that they might announce something is in the works for baseball in Montreal, but uh, I don't think it's happening I don't know. either. It's like I said, my heart says yes, but my mind's my brain is like probably not. And no. it's almost one of those things where it's just like, let sleeping dogs lie. Yep. You know, we had they had a good run. Uh, I enjoyed it as a kid. My dad got to enjoy a lot of good teams, a lot of good players. My grandfather too. Just sleeping dogs lie almost. That's almost yep. where I'm at right now. It's been so long. But then I look at the Winnipeg Jets. It's like they waited so long to get their teams back. Not to go to hopscotch over <laughs> yeah. another sport right now, but like this is now Gibby's sports podcast yeah. that we're doing here. Um, but... Yeah, no, I'm all, like, would I love to have Montreal baseball back in Montreal? Absolutely. Yeah, but I think it's gonna happen. No, not anytime soon. No. But uh, I, uh, I, I hope that one day they do come back and they realize the errors of the ways and realize it wasn't because the fans didn't show up; is because the owners were just horrible owners and plus and plus the the uh lockout in 94 just really screwed over the expos as well they would have won the world series you i heard it here first i'm trying not to swear yeah i know you're not a you're 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 (laughs) kind of okay with it but i'm trying not to i appreciate it they would have bloody won the world series if i say bloody it means beep you know, so yeah. <laughs> oh, you. I mean, you just look at that 1994 Expos squad. Like you look at Larry Walker and Larry Walker, uh, just like that. Um, that whole outfield Pedro, in general. Yeah, Pedro Martinez, Cliff Floyd at first base, uh, Moises Alou at left field, Marquise Grissom at center field. I'm gonna cry. Um, yeah, it's just, just. Oh. Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah, you mentioned Pedro as well. John Wetland. Oh uh, man. Just a uh, lot of good, a lot of good ball yeah. players on that squad. A lot of good ball players. <sighs> well, uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's Gibby Sports Podcast. Yeah, that's right. We we went through a little bit of everything. You never know what's going to happen on these uh, on these shows. But uh, hey, thanks again for coming on, Mike. Really appreciate it. And of course, uh, I man, know, of course. I I know we went a little long, but uh, that's usually what happens on Gibby's Football Podcast. It we does. just get so caught up in the sports talk and. Uh, it does it does and like i said hopefully next time we do this i'm done i finish a little earlier so we won't be finishing that late (laughs) yeah no worries uh but uh no i really appreciate coming on i'll uh start to wrap things up here we're going to be back next week for another edition of gibby's football podcast do not tune away you'll want to tune in oh and quickly i'm going to make my football commentary debut for your tv this weekend i'm going to be calling a queenie skyhawks football game that is very exciting so uh, once those highlights get shared, I will share that on my Twitter at Zach underscore McGibbon. Uh, so you can find me there, but until then, everybody take care. We'll see you next week.